Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. A playoff Monday starts right now on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app live from the gallery. Bar booking games at Ocean Casino Resort. Super wild card weekend still has two games left to go, including the Eagles and the Buccaneers tonight. I'm your host, Mike Gill, Ryan Rothstein on a Monday, Danny Ryan, our on-site producer today, and Josh Henning is back at the studios of 97.3 ESPN. Well, I don't know what you guys took from Super Wildcard Weekend and if it changed your thoughts on what could or might happen. But it is a playoff game day, and I don't feel great. I don't feel excited. (laughs) I don't feel like I'm ready to rock and roll. I feel like... You feel defeated already, Mike Gill. Well, after watching what we saw this weekend, did this weekend change anything for anybody in other words a lot of people like cleveland they got this great defense and all season long you're like this defense is really good and then they give up 48 points and they got blasted by houston you saw the cowboys yesterday they were down before the game really even got underway and this is a team that i know you're not a big believer but basically was blasting teams all year long you're undefeated at home and then you give up a 40 burger 48 points Against to a that Green team. Bay team that has <laughs> been like, you know, I, I think if you said, hey, give me a team in the NFL that you didn't see one game of this year, you'd probably say, I didn't see the Packers play at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it might be surprising. They but... had like nothing about them that you're like, you know, Jordan Love was second in the league. And like, I think you're kind of feeling like now, like he's the guy, but like, he balled out. They were a mediocre team of all mediocre teams this year. And they went to Dallas, a place, look, if you don't like Dallas, fine. They didn't lose a game at home, and they won convincingly almost every single time. So all this stuff that we always feel like, I have no evidence of anything. I had no evidence that Dallas would get blasted at home against a mediocre team. They beat up on mediocre teams at home. That's who they are. That's what they do. They had a perfect situation yesterday. In the regular season. At home, go and do your thing, and they're down 27-0 before the game even started. Uh So... All of that stuff, does anybody watch that and say, well, what I've seen gives me no evidence? Because what I watched for 18 weeks gave me no evidence of some of the stuff I saw this weekend. You know, first of all, no, to answer your question, like what we've seen over the first couple of days of Super Wild Card Weekend, does it make me feel different about Eagles Bucks tonight? No, it doesn't. Because the Eagles are still the Eagles. The Eagles still have a boatload of problems. Jalen Hurts is quite literally limping into this game. No A.J. Brown. We all know what's been going on with this team, right? So, no, the only thing that gives me hope is Tampa stinks, right? So what does that say about how confident I feel about this game? Right, that the fact that your most confidence is that the other team team. stinks. (laughs) Yeah, right, Right. like, come on. So would I be surprised if the Eagles get a win? 
I mean, a little bit, but no, because Tampa's no, nothing special. But, you know, these teams like Jordan Love, he's been finding finding himself at the right time this year. Okay, let me ask you this question. Because if you are fully invested, you know, you are watching other games with the thought about your team in mind. Sure. So, in other words, were you watching the game yesterday thinking or pulling for the Rams last night because the possibility of having a home playoff game, or were you like, I don't even think they're going to beat the Bucks, or even if they do beat the Bucks, it doesn't even matter. It like, doesn't matter. Were you watching the games in like once Green Bay won, you knew you didn't have to go to Dallas, and that you weren't getting San Francisco. Yeah. So did that reignite anything for you? It, to me, it just feels like a setup. To me, for anyone that has hope, because of that. I feel I feel sorry for you, right? I feel sorry for you because I think the Eagles now are just going to let us down, or just they're going to continue to do what they do. But I know there's fans out there saying, "Oh, don't have to go to San Fran, don't have to face Dallas." To your point, MG. But for me, it doesn't change anything because, quite frankly, I'm expecting. I'll, I'll keep it real here, right off the rip on, on this show. I'm expecting a loss tonight, right? Did it change anything for you? I'm curious. Listen, I don't know that I'm expecting a loss. I'm just not confident. Oh, wow. I don't know what to expect. Tomato, tomato. Well, normally it's hear. like, no, I feel something. I feel like you're better than this team and uh-huh. you're going to win. I don't know. Did you guys read that article this morning uh, from Tim McManus? Basically saying some of the things that have concerned me for a while is that the quarterback is not on board with the offense and he's been kind of waiting for the offense to kind of change and nothing has changed here and there's yeah. a lot of finger pointing going on. You know, I have contended that there's something that happened in that locker room. Don't know what it is. Hasn't really come out. And then on the day of the game, it's like, hey, the quarterback is not thrilled with the offense and he's been waiting for the, the offense to kind of change a little bit. And there's so many things that go through your head. So am I expecting a loss i don't know that i'm expecting a loss but am i excited for the game because i'm ready for this deep playoff run i'm not there are you confident that the eagles will win this game no okay so i mean listen man but i'm also you're expecting a loss you're 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 not going to be surprised if they win but there's no reason for you to sit here and confidently tell all the listeners out there Here's, excuse me, here's A, A, B, and C as to why the Eagles are going to win this game. None of us can say that today. I got nothing. So that's enough. I got nothing that makes me feel like, (laughs) hey, when this ball kicks off tonight. Now, when the ball kicks off, you might get that rush and get that feeling. Maybe they get the ball first, the Eagles on offense, and they, you know, 12 plays, 75 yards, touchdown, and you say, man, I haven't seen that in a while. Right? Like, I'll give you one further. Saturday, like, when your team's in the playoffs, you just keep waiting. Like, I want this game to get here. I watched the game Saturday, Sunday, and at no point was I like, oh, my God, I wish my team was playing. Yeah, just because my team is making me miserable. Yes, absolutely. And I'm not here today. Like, I can't wait for 8 o'clock. I need 8 o'clock to get here. I'm watching the Sixer game. They're up by 30, and I'm kind of like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> my, my weekend has been made because Dallas got Rochambeau'd, right? Like, for me, weekend has been a success already. Eagles are playing with house money. Like, the, for the Cowboys to get embarrassed like that as an Eagles fan, it's just, it's beautiful. It's a chef's kiss <laughs> for me, like, honestly. So I'm not expecting the Eagles to win. So that was good enough for me. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. That's the tech sport. I want everybody out there to kind of, on a scale of 1 to 10, 
What is your anticipation and excitement for tonight's game? Let me ask this as well as you throw that out there. What's what's the X factor, right? If if we have to be glass half full, if we have to say, okay, let's take a breath. I'm not making anybody be glass half full with this team. No, no, and, you know, I'm That's not. torture. But if we have to say, all right, how do we vision, envision this Eagles team going into Tampa tonight and getting a win? What is the biggest X factor or key matchup? Like, the Eagles win because blank. They run the ball consistently 20-plus times with DeAndre Swift, close to 15 times with Kenny Gamewell with success. I mean, every sign is pointing towards Brian Johnson to run the ball. Jalen Hurts messed up finger, no A.J. Brown. The weather's supposed to be rainy over in Tampa tonight. Like, every single sign is pointing to run the ball. Yeah, I I mean, the only thing is, okay, so then you got hit with the news on Saturday that no A.J. Brown. Did that rock anybody's world, or were you just kind of like, man? Because normally, let's be honest, if you were entering a playoff game and you were told that A.J. Brown wasn't playing, you would be like, oh, my God, we're playing a game without A.J. Brown? And I think it was just like, eh, oh, whatever. <laughs> it's just, for me, it's just I SMH'd. I shook my head. I'm just shaking my head, smirking. Right, like, <laughs> but in what playoff world do you lose a player of that magnitude and you're just indifferent about it? I know. That is what this team has become. The craziest is that year. you have a football player with 1,400 yards receiving who's clearly your best offensive option, and he has been announced out already, and your reaction is meh. And he scrubbed his whole social media, by the way. Not to be Mr. Conspiracy, but there is a report that – he just said, oh, I'm taking a break from social. So why are you deleting all things Eagles on your social media? Yeah, he's got, like, some uh, quotes or, like, yeah. uh, inspirational quotes that he left up there. Something's up. Yeah, something's up there. But, like, this article, Tim McManus today, the offense chock full of Pro Bowl-level talent has underperformed and shown its frustration. Sideline spats have carried over detention in the locker room where team sources say disagreements have occasionally devolved into finger-pointing. Demoting defensive coordinator Sean Desai and elevating Matt Patricia to play caller on December 17th only made matters worse for a unit that eventually finished 30th in points allowed. He goes on to write, on top of those struggles, Jalen Hurts' desired direction for the offense has not materialized, which has been a source of disappointment for the franchise quarterback, according to a source, with direct knowledge of Hurts' thinking. A disconnect between the visions of Sirianni, Hurts and offensive coordinator Brian Johnson has affected the offense's ability to land an identity. Jeez. The source says. That's just one thing after another, MG, of just, it's not raining, it is downpouring. Right, the day of the game, that's what comes out. Yeah. The day that you are getting ready to play a game in a playoff game in which, oh, by the way, you are favored. Unbelievable. You are favored in the game on the road. So it's not like... <laughs> as an 11-win team. Exactly. As, as well, I mean, yeah. I, I, I can't come up with any reason why I am excited or... Hopeful? Hopeful. Hope. Right. That's the word. I have no hope. Yeah. I feel hopeless in this run right now. Yes. I feel hopeless even though Dallas lost, and that's great, and they got embarrassed again, and, you know, they're a complete dumpster. They're thinking about firing the coach, or mm-hmm. maybe they will, or maybe they won't. That they've 
now lost. They haven't reached the conference finals in 30 years or 29 years. They've won 12 games, three straight seasons. They're the only team in NFL history to win 12 games three years in a row mm-hmm. and not reach a conference final in any of them. Look, all of these things about the Cowboys, not surprising that they again disappointed their fan base. Right. But I can't even bask in the fun or the glory of fun uh, fanship of that because my team is no such better. A, and it's we're such a mess. The Eagles are such a mess. 11 wins. I mean, we've talked about it all year, particularly the last month and a half, how much of an enigma this team is. Right? And, like, yeah, to Danny's point, they should come out and run the ball behind this offensive line. Okay, let me ask that question. Okay. If they came out tonight and the game was similar to the one they played in Tampa in week three, they ran the ball 40 times for 200 yards, they win the games, like, you know, 28 to 10. Yeah. Do you feel like tomorrow you're going to be like, all right, maybe. No. 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 Is there nothing they can do tonight to kind of get you reignited? Re-hopeful. I don't know, man. I mean, the offense would probably have to put up 30-plus, and the defense would have to allow under 14. I think for me— It would have to be that obvious. Yeah. I I mean, I agree with you to an extent, Ryan. I think for me, I'd have to see a lot of flashes of last year's offense. We know this defense is a lost cause. I think we can all agree on that. But I would need to see some serious similarities to last year's playoff offense to kind of buy I would doubt you're going to get that tonight without A.J. Brown. You're not getting it. But some sort of just fight and competency and not like the same four plays, recycling them. It's all they've been doing for two months. And you say run the ball, I agree with you, but— I don't expect them to do it. No, they run the ball in out of the RPO, and Jalen Hurts hasn't run. And now he's got a dislocated <laughs> finger. He can't really hold on to that ball too well. Yeah, like how do we expect that to work? Yeah, we had Clay Harbor on Friday's show, and he said, look, Mike, I played with a dislocated finger, and I didn't have to throw the ball, and it sucked. Yeah. You know, he, he you're talking about the quarterback who has to throw the football. Um, I don't know. If, if they came out and ran the ball effectively – went behind that offensive line and just said, you know what, bleep this. We're Mm -hmm. going back to just what we were two years ago where they really simplified everything and ran their way to the playoffs. Would that be a sign that somebody, Sirianni or something, said, look, we tried it this way, we tried it your way, we're going back to this. We're going to just simplify things, break it all down, and we're going to advance to the next round. Because, quite frankly, I mean – that's their only path to victory, right? It's just breaking this thing down and handing it off 30 times and just hoping that works, right? Well, maybe it's some play twofold. action. It's twofold. Is your defense is clearly the weaker unit. Your defense clearly struggling. If you're running the ball and you're moving the chains, you're keeping them off the field as much as humanly possible. Yep. That That's the biggest thing. I, I think it's such an importance for the Eagles to get the ball first. As weird as that sounds, and it's not a huge deal, but they just need to get going early. They need to get a lead. The defense has to get out on the field where the Eagles are winning. When was the last time we've even experienced that? Right? Like, give the defense some confidence with an opportunity to stop the opponent. I just, I don't see it happening, but... I, okay, here's a question for you. Do you feel more confident that the offense will simplify things, run the ball, and just try to, you know, get past this game, or that the defense has a a night in them? <laughs> the defense, there's 0% chance the defense has a night in them. 
I mean, I mean, let's just be real. Unless Baker Mayfield stinks, do we classify that as a night? You just need to get pressure on the quarterback. I mean, that's really what it is. I I think when we talk about this defense, we really pinpoint at least the the lack of success. We pinpoint the linebackers and the defensive backs, the secondary, because this defensive line isn't getting pressure. I talked about it yesterday on the locker room, Billy Schwein. Josh Sweat hasn't had a sack in over two months. Hassan Reddick over a month. And they're not really getting great pressure either. So if they can at least tackle or get – I'm not asking for much here. I'm asking for one or two sacks on Baker Mayfield with beat-up ribs and a beat-up ankle. Then I think the secondary would look much better, but it starts there. That's Absolutely. essentially what Clay Harbor said on Friday show was if they're going to have any shot in this game, you need Hassan Reddick to basically – torture the quarterback all night long <laughs> he's going to be dropped one. back in coverage though <laughs> um yeah i mean i've never gone into a i've never gone into a playoff game with this type of lack of hope it's never crazy. if they never. put Hassan reddick on a tight end specifically k dot tonight i'm going to lose my freaking mind in a playoff game on the road in well the rain? i mean to be fair if you're watching games this weekend a lot of teams were doing the same thing. I mean, you're watching the Chiefs play the other night. They had their defensive end dropping into coverage all night long. Here's the difference. They've done it all season long right. where they've actually employed that kind of defense where they, you know, a lot of these teams, and we've had Colin Thompson on, and he'll listen to something that Danny just said and laugh at him because he says, guys, all these NFL teams drop these pass rushers into coverage. If you run 70 plays and he drops into coverage four times and they show you two of them on film, every team is doing this. The problem is becoming, I think, they weren't doing this early in the year. And then you've asked him all yeah, of a sudden, randomly. we're going to change what we asked you to do for the first 15 weeks of the year. And we're going to ask you to do something different. And he seems like he's very uncomfortable in doing it. Now, that said... This Tampa Bay team stinks. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're terrible. But so do the Giants. So do the Cardinals. That's, exactly. And that's that's the hopeless aspect and of all this. a Drew Locke-led Seahawks team was supposed to stink. And yet right. they led a just beautiful drive against us with, what was it, no timeouts in Seattle? Well, I'll say this. If they play the game defensively that they played against Seattle, they probably win the game tonight. They only gave up 20 points in that game, Yeah, right? I mean, they looked good I mean, till the very end. If I tell you they gave up 20 points tonight, did they win? But, like, big whoop. But they, they didn't give up against the backup QB. You no, know? I don't know. No. I have no clue. Can the offense put up 21? Jeez. Maybe. 609-403-0973. A lot of text messages coming in. Um, Over whatever Jake Elliott's field goal total is for tonight. I'm telling you right now. Well, which game of the weekend surprised you the most? Mm. I- I'm... I'm going to go with Cleveland. Yeah. I didn't think they were going to get just completely outclassed like that. I say you're right about Cleveland for two reasons. One, generally defense plays. You have a really good defense. You can compete in the game, whether your offense is, you know, struggling that day or not. Especially against a rookie. game ugly, right. Yeah. You've got a defense that many people thought was definitively the best defense in the entire league. (laughs) Yeah. And they didn't compete at all in the game. That's today's NFL, though, right? Like, it's crazy. You talk about all these elite defenses. There's no such thing. Well, you know, and this is what I talk about this a lot. Oh, the number one ranked defense. You're the number one ranked defense based on the schedule that you played. Are you the number one defense if you played Baltimore every week? Right. No, you're not. You're the number one defense based on the 17 teams that you got matched up against. And maybe 10 of those 17 contributed to you being the best defense in the league. Absolutely. And there's a million different metrics that people use to define number one, right? Points allowed, yards allowed. 
right? And it's like, all right, well, which one is it? I mean, Cleveland just got embarrassed. Houston with an impressive win. And then obviously the Packers, but I'm not shocked in the Cowboys choking. I will say this, and, you know, I'm a little higher on the Cowboys than, than maybe most people. Um, I would say I didn't think that game would be close the opposite direction. I thought Green Bay is a young team that just, you know, I figured that this moment would be pretty big for them. They got to the playoffs, great accomplishment. Dallas is just such a different team at home, and I figured Dallas would just out-talent them. Yeah. And... I can't even explain what I watched yesterday. I just love that Dak Prescott all year was saying, man, you know, something has just clicked. <laughs> like, everything is so much easier. I'm so much more confident. He stunk. He Dude, I, I love the tweets last night of everyone, like, going from last week when they were in the Week 18 game. Everyone's wearing the NFC East champion beanies or hats or whatever. And he goes, nah, I got something bigger on the horizon. I, I'll, I'll wear yeah. the bigger hat. <laughs> and then all this, the quote tweets now are like, "Just you should have put on the hat, Bozo. You should have put on the hat. <laughs> they, got. they... Uh, the memes, the the social media stuff for them. It, it, I mean, it's just it's like Christmas. It's undefeated. Yeah, it, it's so good. Um, <laughs> so I would say I am pretty surprised at how that game went. I am as well. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, Green Bay is. I mean, come on. You give. I have to give the coaching the staff a ton lost of credit. To Green Bay. Dak Prescott almost threw four picks last night. There were two oh dropped interceptions from Green Bay. I can't even imagine admitting that. I first off, the team hasn't been good in thirty years. I can't even imagine being somebody who doesn't even live there that has to say this is the team this that I my choose squad. to yeah. support, yeah. and then have the audacity to like talk bad about the team. Like, yeah, the Eagles have a one Super Bowl. It was whatever. I, but that's I don't care that the Eagles won the Super Bowl five. I'm so past that. I could care less. Yet I got people telling me how many Super Bowls the Cowboys have. Like 40 years. We're going almost 40 years. Yeah, it's, it's not relevant. I always say this it's to you, Mike. It's such unbelievable. My whole lifetime. No, I'm no, 33 years I know. old. When you told me that a couple years ago, that's at me the, the point when I just landed at these sad people of like you're like dude i'm in my 30s i've never seen them be good they've never gone deep into the playoffs in my lifetime it's wild I, I, that that result though definitely like i thought they would win this game handily everybody would be pumping their chest out about how good they look and then they get bombed next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's how i kind of thought it would go um actually no because if they would have won the eagles would have gone there and they would have Rochambeau the Eagles. Yeah, probably. Probably. But unfortunately, <laughs> the, 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 the Packers saved us at least from that. A little bit, yeah. All right, Mike McGarry, did he see anything this weekend that makes him change his mind about what the Eagles might look like tonight? That's coming up next. John McMullen live from Tampa in about a half an hour from now. We are live at the Gallery Bar Booking Game. Sixers are on. We'll keep you updated on that. Flyers play tonight. All that and more. The Sports Bash live at the Gallery Bar Booking Games at Ocean Casino on 97.3 ESPN. Gov. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. They're a one-in-five football team 
down the stretch. They've struggled on both sides of the ball. They have no identity on offense of what they want to do. Quarterback might be a little wounded. Um, Their best receiver is out. Now they do have, obviously, uh, Smith, another 1,000-yard receiver. Goddard's there. Swift is there. But this team is, is out of rhythm. But I think this team, more than that, doesn't have confidence. Oh, that was Herm Edwards on the Eagles struggling heading into the playoffs. But did Mike McGarry see anything this weekend that made him change his mind about how a team going into the playoffs might look? I mean, I don't know who had Houston putting up almost 50 against that Cleveland defense. I don't know who had Green Bay putting up almost 50 in Dallas. So did you see anything, Mike, this weekend that will allow you to erase the last six weeks you've seen from the Eagles and say, hey, if Cleveland can give up 50, then I don't know what to expect tonight. Yeah, I mean, the narrative can change in a hurry, right? Ask the Dallas Cowboys exact, and Dak Prescott and, and Mike McCarthy. So, you know, it is a cliche, but everybody did start this weekend 0-0, and the narrative can change in an absolute hurry. Uh, and it can change in a quarter. It can change in a couple of plays. It can change with a pick six. So, uh, obviously, if the Eagles were to somehow right the ship tonight and, and win tonight, you know, then they're going into Detroit, and, and who doesn't think they can win there? So, exactly, the narrative can change in an absolute hurry, uh, and it's amazing how it can sort of change week to week and even play to play in the playoffs. Well, Mike, the narrative has changed in a hurry on game day. Multiple articles about Nick Sirianni struggling to rally this team, finger-pointing, infighting. I mean, on a day where the game is still not kicked off yet, are you surprised at the amount of dissent there seems to be with this team? Yeah, I am surprised that it's come so uh, – been so public. I'm not surprised that a team that has won one of its last uh, five or six games has kind of got some finger pointing and some issues and, and might not have the greatest chemistry right now. And that can change too with a win because all of a sudden you win tonight and then all of a sudden what's the narrative? Oh, we came together. We we weathered the storm. We relied on each other and now we're we're one win away from the, from a uh, NFL championship game and two wins away from the Super Bowl. So I am a little surprised at how much publicly the the backbiting has been aired. But I'm not surprised that a team that has lost five of its last six games is is having some chemistry issues. Eagles win tonight if blank. Fill in the blank, Mike McGarry. If Jalen Hurts plays like the Jalen Hurts of last season and if the defense has a, 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 a bit of a pulse, just a bit of a pulse, basically. I'm not asking for much. I am asking for a bit of a pulse. But I think it's a lot of it is on Jalen Hurts in the offense. I think, the, I think Tampa Bay is going to score points. Uh, you know, I think the Eagles got to go down there and outscore them. And, you know, one of the problems all season has been Jalen Hurts has not looked like Jalen Hurts of last year from that very first game against the New England Patriots on through to tonight. So, yeah, the Eagles win if we get the Jalen Hurts of what would it be, 2022, I guess, regular season. And for me, I agree with you, but for that to happen, Nick Sirianni would have had to take the bull by the horn, so to speak, in the last week and sit down with his offensive coaching staff led by Brian Johnson and say, hey, we need to completely strip this thing down. We need to do X, Y, and Z differently. 
I have zero confidence that he's done that this week, right? So uh, it's not even about Jalen Hurts for me. It's about my lack of faith in Nick Sirianni. Is that fair? Well, that is fair, but I will say this about Hurts. I want to see the Jalen Hurts that we saw last season. That was the Jalen Hurts that could use his legs to make plays. That was the Jalen Hurts who would drop back on third and seven and, and all of a sudden scramble for eight yards and pick up a first down and extend your lives. We have not seen that Jalen Hurts all season. He has not run the football the way he ran it in 2022. He's run the football tentatively at times. How many times have we seen Hurts sort of turn the corner and been one-on-one with a defensive back or a cornerback, and all of a sudden he slid to the ground rather than making a move or running over the guy the way he did last year? I mean, where is the Jalen Hurts who supposedly can squat 600 pounds? Every time he sees a 180-pound cornerback, he's sliding. So I think you need the Jalen Hurts of last year and that means using your legs to make plays and he has done that rarely this year I think he did it in the Rams game uh maybe one other game that I can remember off the top of my head right now but the Jalen Hurts the guy who kind of frustrated me as a giant fan the guy I watched drop back on third and nine and scramble for 10 yards in the first down that guy has been nowhere to be seen so far this season. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. You know who else will be nowhere to be seen is A.J. Brown. But, Mike, when he got announced to be out, you would think there would be like this, oh, my God, he's out. It almost feels like that was met with a whimper. Do you agree? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I agree with the reaction. I do think it's a big loss not having him out there. I mean, the guy does have 1,400 yards receiving on the season. Now, you do have, uh, you know, you do have Devontae Smith in there to sort of cover uh you know, so the cupboard is not there. Do you still have Dallas Goddard? But I still think the A.J. Brown is, is a big loss. I mean, he's one of the best receivers in the league, and he's not playing tonight. That's something the Eagles are going to have to overcome, and I agree with you. I think the reaction to it has been kind of, uh, you know, muted, basically. It's almost, to me, it's almost as if the fans kind of expect this team to lose tonight, and sort of everybody's kind of mentally preparing themselves for it to be over. And I think it'll be amazing how everybody turns and jumps back on the bandwagon if it's 35-17 Eagles tonight. If that happens, right. I mean, 35-17, I think we'd all be here tomorrow pretty shocked, Mike. Um, You know, there's a lot of talk, you know, about dissension in the locker room, finger pointing. But are you surprised that some of it has actually been towards Jalen Hurts and maybe his lack of voice in that locker room or his stoic voice in that locker room. Yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised that look, I'm not surprised that either Sirianni or Hurts is kind of in the uh the line of fire right now. And I'm not surprised that people are second guessing Jalen Hurts' leadership. It, it, it's like half a dozen one six the other. If the Eagles were winning, we'd all be praising Jalen Hurts' poise. Now he doesn't get the guys riled up enough. Now he's not much of a vocal leader. If they were winning, he'd be a guy that doesn't panic, keeps calm. When, they, when they're down two touchdowns, he's the same as when they're up two touchdowns. So I'm not surprised the narrative is flipped on both Sirianni and Hurts. I'm not surprised that they are in the crosshairs, so to speak. But that's the life of the head coach and the quarterback. They get all the credit or probably too much of the credit when the team wins. And when it's not going well, they get too much of the blame. So I'm not surprised that people are sort of picking apart the Jalen Hurts leadership. Now, the one thing I would say, though, is, you know, look, look back. You know, when you look back at this season and look where the Eagles are, 
I, I mean, they're still in a pretty good position as far as having Hurts as their franchise quarterback. Uh, you know, regardless of what kind of happens tonight. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's won big playoff games. I, I don't think this is time to throw the uh, baby away with the bathwater type of deal. Uh, Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. Um, obviously, you saw Dallas lose yesterday. A lot of talk about the coach there. Um, do you think that Nick Sirianni, with all these articles coming out on the day of the game, is in trouble if they lose this game tonight? You know what? I- Part of me says, no, it would be crazy. I told you before, you know, I think, you know, this will be the seventh Super Bowl since 2018. The Eagles will have been to two of them. They would have won one of them to fire both coaches that took you to the Super Bowl. I think would be crazy not to give Sirianni a chance to sort of fix it would be crazy. The only caveat I would say is the, the guys you have out there. Uh, Belichick, Mike Vrabel, if you think that Sirianni is not the answer and if you think you're going to fire him if you go 7-10 and 10 next season and you got a chance to get a good candidate this year, I think you might think about letting him go and, and if you really think that he's not a guy who can turn it around. How many guys could it be their last game tonight? Meaning Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson maybe, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. What do you, what do you think from that aspect? Yeah, all of the above. I, I think you could see a little, you know, changing of the guard right here, uh, especially if they, uh, you know, if, if they lose. I think, I think age has been one of their issues here as the season has gone on. The offensive line has not been effective this season as it's been in the past. Uh, the defensive line has not gotten off to the quarterback the way uh, they have in the past. Some of their personnel decisions have not worked out great. They let go Derek Barnett. I turn on the TV Saturday afternoon. He's sacking the quarterback left and right. So, uh, and that's one thing the Eagles haven't been able to do. So, yeah, I agree. We could be looking at a little bit of a, you know, next season being a, maybe a little bit of a transition year. But I'd go through that transition with the talent they have on the offensive side of the football. Crazy stuff uh, that there's a playoff game tonight and the excitement level is as minimal as I've ever felt for a Philadelphia Eagles playoff game. Any playoff game. I mean, I think a Flyers 8 seed versus a 1, you get more excitement when yeah. you're down 3-0 in the series. But uh, that is what this season has actually ended up becoming. We'll see it all unfold. By the way, Sixers 78, Rockets 63. Joel Embiid is back, and he's having a, another monster game, by the way. And uh, we'll keep you up to date on that. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. Here on the Sports Bash Live, we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Hopefully, again, about an Eagles-Lions matchup. If not, uh, we'll try to put, paint the offseason together, man. Hey, man. I think the Eagles would play well tonight. I think they win Ooh. by two touchdowns, and I think everybody's back on the bandwagon tomorrow. So Wednesday <laughs> when I talk to you, that bandwagon is full and headed to Detroit. <laughs> All right, man. We'll see. We'll see. Um Obviously, yeah, Detroit would be where the Eagles will play. It would be Sunday, and the game would be right here on 97.3 ESPN. It's a 3 o'clock kickoff. Sunday, it would be Eagles at the Lions. And, you know, he said, oh, who doesn't think you can win that game? Oh, I don't know about that, man. I feel like they have no chance. That team, that city right now, in Detroit, that place was rocking. You watched the Barry Sanders documentary at all yet? No. I've had it on like three different times. I've, I've watched like 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, 20 minutes there. I haven't gotten all the way through it, but the beginning of that really illustrates how starving they are for a winner out there. You, you felt it. I mean, anyone, 
whether you're a Lions fan or not, watching that game, you you just felt how hungry they've been. I, I was happy for them. How can you not be? All right. We're live at the Gallery Bar Booking Games here at Ocean Casino Resort. That didn't look good, by the way. And B just uh, hit the deck pretty hard. Oh, great. All right. We're back with more Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. It's the Super For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. As the Eagles travel to Tampa to face the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football. Now they've got him! They've got him! It's a sack! This is South Jersey's official home for Eagles playoff football. 97.3 ESPN. Listen to the game tonight. Pre-game coverage starts at 7 o'clock. Merrill Reese, Mike Quick, 8-15. We're live at the Gallery Bar booking games at Ocean Casino Resort, which is already kind of filling up. Got the, the Sixers live right now. Joel Embiid having a monster game back. Got over 30 points. He's played like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. He just he walks onto the floor with, with like 15 points already before it even starts. So efficient. I wonder if people out there are more <laughs> invested in the Sixers playoff run, which hasn't even started yet, yeah. than they are this Eagles run tonight. Well, I was asking the question last week. What is the best sports story in Philadelphia sports right now? I don't think there's an answer. It has to be, I don't know, it might be the Flyers this very moment. So I say, are the Flyers the best sports story in the city right now? As far as literal success. I mean, the Phillies have done zero this offseason. Yeah. Zero. Not shocked at that. Um, I would say the biggest story, for better or worse, is the Eagles collapse. I mean, this is just. Infamous. I didn't say the biggest story. I said the best. Yeah. The What's best. been the best Philly sports story right now? It's the Flyers not being a complete joke, which tells us a lot, right? I tells us how. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know you're a little higher on Sixers maybe than some other people. I think most people still. I know Kendrick Perkins said Friday night. I was watching the pregame. Yeah. He still says their ceiling is second round exit. I think a lot of people still think that same thing, that they're not good enough to get out of that second round. So, I don't know. People might. I think people are more into this Sixer team than I thought they would be. But yeah. still don't think that they are getting out of that second round. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I also just think it's too early in the NBA season. Like, for, for the mass, the, the overall group of Sixers fans, it's wake me up after the All-Star game at minimum. Uh-huh. So... You know, I would say the Sixers—they have a chance to come out the come out the East. I've said that, and I'll continue to say that. I, I firmly believe it, um, but they haven't grabbed the the city's attention yet. That's yet. why. But, I wouldn't but, say and, that. and I asked that, knowing that, like, hey, this, the Eagles have been such a disappointment. Maybe people are like, hey, I'll cling on to them, but it doesn't seem that that's really happened yet. No. Once the Eagles' season officially ends, though, w- wouldn't you think that? people are going to start to gravitate more to the Sixers right now? I would imagine so. I mean, yeah. I, or uh, do they, you know, the Flyers are, are starting to draw. I mean, the building's back to being full again. I mean, yeah. you know, 
They, they had uh, some dog masks on in the locker room. Looks like that team's having fun. You know, they keep winning. Who knows? And hockey. it's funny because, like, did that trade, like, ignite people to actually, like, give them a shot? It's a good question. It, it feels that way from a distance. I also saw, like, uh, updated most hated Philly athletes. Did you guys see those lists? No. They had um, they had the kid they just traded. Number yeah, like uh, number two overall. Yeah, like, Godier. Yeah. It's like he's never played a game for the Flyers. Like, what are we talking about? Who was here? number one? Uh, ben Simmons. Oh, former players. No, just like former, current, whatever it is, just the most hated Philly athletes of all time. Gotcha. So, obviously, Ben Simmons, Carson Wentz, they're all going to be up there. 609-403-0973, Jeff and Ocean City, guys. Tonight's game is the second-worst team in the playoffs versus the worst team in the playoffs. Who's Which, which one's which? <laughs> right. I'm not even sure. I guess we're going to find out. Uh, PJ and Little Egg Harbor. Mike, if you want to get hyped for a bit, check out the hype video the Eagles posted on their socials. Yeah, that was the Jason Kelsey. Yeah. Where I, I actually thought, I, I think they dropped it on Friday, and I was actually somewhat surprised that the hype video is them admitting that they've been horrible. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's gotten the fans fired up. Did you see up. that? Yeah, I saw it. I, I think I quote tweeted it. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not buying this. <laughs> I, I can't buy it. Yeah, it's Jason Kelsey like, yeah, we know we've been awful. Yeah. But we, we want this. Yeah, it's like we, now's we, the time. We want this, and we know we've been terrible, but give us a shot. <laughs> I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. God almighty. Um, uh, Do you guys think the video helped or hurt the fans' interest? It, they, uh, they always help. The Do they, though? media hype videos. Yeah, I mean, not for me. But I think there's plenty of fans out there that are online on social media, and they love they love seeing that for an Eagles playoff game. Which yeah, I yeah, I mean, you get the guy who's like, ah, for, you know, I'm back in, yeah, you know. But I, I, I wish like I wish there was something that could give me some sort of reason that I'm like, we've overlooked all this stuff. You guys are missing this, and it's just I don't know. Darius Slay coming back and playing tonight. Does nothing. No? No. Right? Uh, it's just because we, we've we seen the past five, six weeks of how horrific this product has been, man. Are you one of these people right now? Do you f- First off, do you think that Sirianni's in trouble? <laughs> I don't, yes, I would hope so. He'd be better be in some serious trouble. So you think if they lose tonight, he could get fired or will get fired? Yes. Really? I've heard reports. That definitive. Yes. I've heard reports that Lurie's been, Jeffrey Lurie's been creeping around the locker room and the, you know, the clubhouse more and more. And some former players said the only time he's done that in the past is when a firing's coming. Hmm. Like when Lurie starts to show his face at the end of the year. Okay, so do you think then, see, Lurie's background of hiring coaches has always been they've gone down this road of finding the unknown guy. Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, you know, even though he was kind of a known guy, he was not an NFL guy, Doug Peterson, and now Sirianni. So do you think that he would go and do the Belichick or Frable? Because that's just not, has not been his style. This would be telling, like how he would, how he goes about potentially the next guy 
would be telling a lot about how much control he wants to have, how much control how he wants to have, right? I would love a guy like Vrabel or even Harbaugh. I just don't think that there's no evidence at all pointing to the direction that the Eagles would ever go down that road. You're right. They have never hired that coach. Even his first coach, Ray Rhodes, was a guy that kind of came out of right field. They've never hired the established guy to be the coach. Do you think they would need that guy? Their history would say no. Yeah. Johnny Mack live in Tampa could answer those questions. Coming up next. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. It'll be different guys, you know, and really excited about our guys. I mean, I think that's one of our big strengths as a team is the pass catchers we have, right? And when you look at it, you think about AJ, you think about Dallas, you think about Devontae, um, and then you think about DeAndre, the, the role that he has as well. You know, and I mentioned Julio and, and those guys and, and Quez and OZ made plays throughout the year as well. So excited for those guys to get a little bit more opportunity. That was Dick Sirianni on who will replace AJ Brown. And I think most people would shake their heads and say, who the heck cares? That's where we've kind of gotten. But... Who will replace A.J. Brown? Will it be Julio Jones? Will it be Quez Watkins? Will it be a combination? Do they run the ball more? How will this offense look with no A.J. Brown? You know, if this was a normal situation and the team had gone into the playoffs, so let's say they were like a 13-14 win team and were the number one or two seed, yeah. and they didn't have A.J. Brown, you'd be in a panic today. Well, you would. It would be a bigger story, but you would be confident that the Eagles would be able to take care of business against a lesser team. You definitely would, right? but you would certainly feel different than you do today. 100%. Like, there is zero talk from what I've seen and heard about, you know, his status for next week or an NFC title well, game. Well, they said that they, they're, he's hope, they're hopeful that if they win that he could play next week. Yes, I did see that, but I'm saying there's not really any conversations about that being had because people are so indifferent about this game tonight. Yeah. I mean, like, if we were to say, look, let's throw out all the negative feeling we have about this team, and if they're going to win this game, do we think that him not playing A.J. Brown is a big enough eye-opener for the coaching staff to say, we're without A.J. Brown. Let's put this into perspective. This is our best guy. We need to simplify things. And does that change the way they game plan this game tonight? I want to say yes so badly, Mike. So badly, but I don't even know what they've been doing. <laughs> right? Like, what are they seriously? What are they simplifying? Well, the game in Tampa, they ran the ball forty times for two hundred yards. He also had one hundred and thirty yards in that game. It was the first game of that streak of one hundred twenty-five yards or more in six straight games. Yeah. So he dominated them when they were down there. Now, that's not to say, like, they do have Smith. And he could be a big factor, maybe a bigger factor in the offense. I don't know. Is there a part of anybody? Look, I know last week's game is poor evidence, but they didn't have Smith last week with the ankle. Brown left the game and didn't come back. You know, last week their offense was, I don't know what you make of the game they played against the Giants. It was a complete disaster. Yeah. But is there any part of anybody out there that says maybe this is exactly what they needed? A simplification a screwdriver to tighten that screw and say, look, we're, we're, we, maybe we needed to take a step back before we could take a step forward with this offense. And 
also, I, I hear you, and, and I think that's the, the positive way to look at this game tonight, but then you also wonder, does it change the dynamic? Does A.J. Brown's absence change the dynamic of the offense and just the guys in that huddle? Maybe for the better, as crazy and idiotic as that sounds. I'm just reaching for Well, I, I mean, I guess you would then be saying that. I'm not saying you are, but you would be in the camp, though, that maybe he's been a little bit of a cancer or a problem. Yeah, I mean, it's clear as day Jalen Hurts you know, force feeds him the ball, and I get it. He has a bajillion receiving yards, and he's a beast, but maybe it helps both Jalen Hurts and the coaching staff on offense, to, to your point, to change things up. Well, the way I kind of look at this, it's like I'm trying to be somewhat positive in this situation, is to say, okay, because look, let's face facts here. I'm speaking right now as a... I want to win this game. I want the Eagles to win this game. I, I want them to get things right. I want them to somehow figure it out. And I guess my question would be is do I think – like I feel like the Eagles, one thing that has been so surprising and disappointing about this team this year has been the way they have kind of ran the ball. I don't like their running game. Now, they've been dominant at times. The game against Tampa was great. The game against Minnesota, the running game was fantastic. You you had a lot Why of Why was it? I don't even remember. They basically ran the same play and said, stop us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't stop us. Right. And it was just a well-oiled, well-timed thing. And it was one of these things where maybe just for one week to, you know, it's funny when Doc Rivers didn't have his best players, they're like, man, this guy's a pretty good coach when he doesn't have his star players, yeah. right? Why yeah. do they play better when he doesn't have his better players? Maybe the Eagles need that week where they don't have as much talent and they don't rely on their talent as much. They rely on, because there wasn't that report that McManus wrote today that there was, um, I guess, a players meeting, and apparently they said they had multiple players meetings. I've heard there's been a few. Yeah. And that one of the things that came out of the players meeting was that they basically said, let's trust what the coaches are telling us to do. <laughs> Try something new. Let's trust them. But, I mean, like, think about that. Yeah. Like, the fact that maybe they're saying, look, we didn't trust the coaches and we kind of improvised. Maybe that we should start trusting the coaches because what we're improvising is not working. It is seven days enough, though? Like, let's say everyone bought in, Eagles players, in trying to trust the coaching staff. Isn't it too little too late there? Here it is. It says, team sources confirm Brown spoke during a meeting heading into the January 7th game against the Giants, delivering the message that the players have to, quote, start trusting our coaches and what they call on game day. <laughs> he has been the most obviously frustrated, though. So he seems hypocritical with that message, like he's speaking to himself in the mirror. Guys, Do you feel it, that? It, it, can I just ask you guys a question? Is, is that insinuating that they haven't been trusting the coaches all year? Yeah, 100%. I think so. I <laughs> so, think that is exactly what that's insinuating. So how did they start 10-1 and one and then they lose 5 out of 6? Like, what changed? Did they, like, did they stop trusting them all year? Then they started trusting them and they went downhill? Like, it's such, well, a, weird, it's such a weird thing to say, isn't it? It is. But this has been the weirdest season I think we could all, all agree on that that we've ever witnessed and covered, right? I, I mean, we all saw it when they were 10-1, and one, guys. They were 10-1, and one, but we all talked about how weird and clunky the offense looked. So if we saw it, the players clearly felt it. 
right? Yeah, I, I definitely think that the pl- you're right about that is the players had to have felt what we were watching even when they were winning right is that we're winning but something don't seem right here yeah like this ain't this isn't last year well in the article the the the, the report that Tim McManus wrote about today Devonta Smith coming out and saying Devonta Smith saying you know we're 11 and 5 but we're not happy right like i think that they were what we were seeing and i was talking about this earlier like this has got to have been the most unenjoyable Eagles season of my life. For a team that's won 11 games, it was the number one seed, they were 10-1. and one. Remember, we were sitting right here. It was a Monday night, they were playing Seattle, and we talked about how this season just hasn't been fun. Yeah. All right, John McMullen is in Tampa, and he joins us now with the very latest on everything that's going on down there. And, John, uh, first off, how was your flight from Atlantic City? Uh, it went well, you know. I didn't know where I was going. It was dark, you know. But uh, now that I, now that I see it, yeah, it's pretty easy, Mike. Very easy, very easy. Okay, um, AJ Brown not going to play, um, and it feels like there's not even much of a reaction to it. But how impactful is Brown not playing tonight? And what do you think that will change about this offense and this team tonight? Well, it changes a lot. I, I mean, I think A.J. Brown, I've said it pretty much for the entire year, I think he's the best pure football player the Eagles have. So anytime you lose a player like that, um, you're going to have to go about things differently. Um, you know, probably more 12 personnel. Uh, Quez Watkins, Julio Jones, somebody has to step up a little bit. Uh, you're not going to be as explosive. You can't just rely on the crutch of, AJ go make a play, so uh, puts more emphasis on the coaching staff that everybody seems down on to maybe scheme some lesser plays, players open. Um, yeah, it's impactful. Um, good news is I don't think Tampa Bay is really that explosive enough to uh, take advantage of, of sort of being able to run away from them. So uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt Philadelphia can still stay in the game. It's just a matter of and they finish it, and it's going to be more difficult without A.J. Brown. I mean, is there any part of you that looks at this and says, maybe this is something they actually need, just to kind of simplify things, like help maybe not overthink stuff and simplify things at all? No, I look, no. Yeah, that's like losing, uh, uh, yeah, a great NBA player and saying, well, maybe the other guys, you need to get more people involved. No. No, I, I don't want anybody else involved. I don't want Quez Watkins catching eight, nine passes like he did against the Giants. Um, no, it's not. It's not a positive. There's no. There's no way to spin it. Um, when you lose a player like that, it's it's it it makes things more difficult. Um, what do we know about how functional Jalen Hurts will be tonight, and how that could impact? the way the offense looks? Um, you know, he, he obviously has got the dislocated finger, so I did talk to a couple doctors during the week. They don't think there's any chance that it's going to affect him as far as playing, as far as, you know, having to remove him from the game. It could affect his accuracy a little bit. You worry about ball handling. Nick Sirianni brought up Carson Palmer the one time, injured his hand, he had to hand off sort of backhanded with the, with the wrong hand. So 
you might have to uh, I, I not go that far. I'm not trying to say he's going to need to do that. But you, you just have to be more focused uh, on on the little things and, and making sure um, that mesh point is a little tighter than maybe you usually worry about. And, and the accuracy, we're just going to have to see if it affects his accuracy drastically or just a little bit. Johnny Mack, you have a, uh, a fresh article out on SI.com titled, Is Eagles coach Nick Sirianni really in danger of being fired? An excellent article. Uh, suggest everyone to go give that a read. But, you know, give us some of the insight on, on what you wrote and how you answered your own question there. Yeah, I think everybody's, you know, focused and it's kind of picked up, whether it's Justina Anderson or Mike Florio. And I think some of the things with Bill Belichick are, are kind of ludicrous if you think about the way uh, Jeffrey Lurie has done business. Really, since Chip Kelly left, you know, he's been very cognizant of setting up a certain structure, and that would not uh, be uh, uh, the kind of place that Bill Belichick would want to be. Uh, essentially allowing Howie Roseman to pick the team for him and he coached the team. I mean, there's just, there's just no way. So I think you can close the book on that immediately. I mean, the speculation there is the assumption that because Jeffrey Lurie grew, grew up a Patriots fan, wanted to buy the Patriots, and obviously that's the best coach of all time. He'd won them on the Eagles. It's not, you know, he's graduated past that sort of fandom. Uh, type when it comes to uh, making decisions and how he builds his organization. So I think that kind of stuff is is silly. Um, but it's about it's about one guy. It really is. So anybody who thinks they have um, insider knowledge or thinks they know what Jeffrey Lurie is thinking, you know, he he's thrown so many curveballs in the past. Whether it's you know if you go back to. 2021 originally Doug Peterson was going to be back and you know as he went through the postseason meeting um, Jeffrey didn't like necessarily what he had to say as far as his questions about how Doug was going to fix things and um, he gave he still gave him the opportunity to say all right you can't have Press Taylor you can't have Matt Burke you can't have Corey Allen we have to go a different direction and if Doug would have agreed to that, he still would have been the head coach. So in a lot of ways, I think this is, you know, whenever this ends, if it ends absent at least uh, another berth in the NFC Championship game, I think you're going to have scapegoats. That's That's been Jeffrey's history. And who are those scapegoats? Uh, the obvious would be the defensive side of the ball, the coaching staff. I do not think Nick Sirianni would push back on that too much. But if Jeffrey wants to prove a point and go after one of the sacred cows on, on Nick's uh, coaching staff, then it becomes interesting. And it becomes about how Nick Sirianni handles it. Because I, I don't think there's any doubt, any doubt, that Jeffrey Lurie is going to want Nick Sirianni back. But he's going to put... Um, um, he's going to put some points to where he can come back. In other words, he's going to be ordered to do certain mm-hmm. things. If Nick Sirianni balks on, on those types of things, 
then you might have a situation where it blows up. But the assumption that he's going to just, the Eagles are going to lose by three points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight, he's going to fire Nick Sirianni. I, I do not believe that. Uh, he's never been that type of owner. Um, Nick's got a 660 winning percentage, uh, three consecutive postseason bursts, three out of three. I don't think Jeffrey Lloyd wants to be known as the owner that makes rash decisions in times of turmoil. So uh, if it if it just comes to people who think he's going to get fired because he loses tonight, I don't believe that. All right, bringing it back to uh, the matchup tonight, Johnny Mack. Uh, just give us a, a key matchup or two, you know, a, a key to the game for the Eagles on the offensive side and one for the Eagles on the defensive side. If you have a, you know, a player or two on Tampa Bay that you've highlighted as someone that the Eagles need to focus on and slow down. Well, I think the best player on, on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is Antoine Winfield Jr. So there, there's a guy. Now, the good thing is, though, when you talk about a defensive back and Antoine safety, um, probably the best safety in the NFL this season, if not right there with Kyle Hamilton of Baltimore. So the good thing is those guys don't tend to be game wreckers because of the nature of their position. Uh, but he's a guy who, who can do everything. He's a good uh, blitz player. He's a good run support. He's a good coverage player. So you have to be cognizant. You can't push the ball. One of the issues with the Eagles this year has been pushing the ball vertically. You can't take unnecessary chances. Um, the issue is also with the offenses in turnovers. All of a sudden, if they start turning the football over again, um, that could be an issue. Uh, so that's one I would look at offensively. Yeah, I, I mean, this is a, this should be a, a, a run the football game. So that should make people in Philadelphia happy without AJ Brown. Uh, you don't want to rely on Quez Watkins. You don't want to rely on Julio Jones. Um, so you're probably going to want to run the football with DeAndre Swift a little bit, at least early and see, see what he has now. If he doesn't have it on this particular day, you might have to go in a different direction. But I think that's how you come into the game and plan because of the absence uh, of A.J. Brown. So those are two of the the key things. And, and really turnovers has been everything when it comes to the Eagles and the offense sputtering. Uh, last year they were plus eight, third in the NFL. This year they're minus ten. Uh, at the bottom of the league, that is just a huge, huge turnaround. Uh, Johnny Max with us down in Tampa, getting ready for the Eagles and the Buccaneers. Um, you know, you mentioned the speculation in your article uh, around Nick Sirianni. Um, are you surprised that on the day of a playoff game, there has been so many reports about dissension and finger pointing going on in that locker room? No, because that's the nature of the industry, unfortunately. And, you know, it's a, it's a big game. So you kind of hold those stories for a particular spot. In, in other words, it's not, you know, everybody's not saying, Oh, because, uh, on the Eagles, because there's a playoff game tonight. It's the most interest. So those things are kind of held by, uh, media organizations for certain spots. So, um, this stuff has been going on. You know, for the past six, seven weeks, still things have been derailed. Clearly, the defensive side of the football, there's 
in communication issues. Everybody knows it. Everybody sees it. Offensively, uh, there were some new accusations, sort of of, of, of finger pointing, um, for lack of a better word, between Jalen Hurts and, and, and Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni. Um, I, I don't know if it's changed all that much from Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen other than the success and, and the fact that it's Nick's offense. So, of course, it's kind of baked in that Brian has some different philosophies. But you heard, you know, Sean Desai. You heard Matt Patricia earlier this season. You've heard Jonathan Gannon in the past. about what what the head coach wants as an assistant you serve the head coach. So part of that is should be common sense and the fact that, of course, Brian has his own ideas. Shane had his own ideas as well. But when they're assistants, their job is to serve the head coach, and that's what they do. All right, John McMullen, I know you've been doing this a long time. We've been having conversations for years have you ever been around a team that is getting ready for a playoff team? Uh, I, I said Saturday when the news of Brown got announced, it was met with a whimper. It was almost like, eh, who the hell cares? I mean, have you ever seen a team get ready for a playoff game with such little anticipation? Yeah, probably not in Philadelphia. I, I mean, I, I think in a lot of ways the Eagles are happy they're not playing at home, believe it or not, uh, because they wanted to get out of the – I don't, I don't know if you want to call it toxic, whatever, if it's that bad, but they're not, they're not unhappy to be on the road, believe it or not. Um, yeah, and, uh, Darius Slay mentioned that. Hey, we don't need any booze. Yeah. yeah and, and exactly. And it, you, you could say what you want about that, but look, yeah, it, it, you know, Philadelphia can be difficult and the, the expectations were, just so high for this team this year. Um, and and they feel, you know, it's probably good that they're in Tampa. Mm-hmm. All right, John. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, no, I mean, just no anticipation for what could happen. I mean, we saw a Cleveland defense that was really good get blasted for almost 50. I mean, Dallas, who's dominated at home, almost gave up 50. So, I mean, who the heck knows what's going to happen tonight, but... This yeah, wasn't, really it wasn't a good uh, wasn't a good weekend for defenses, um, yeah. with the exception of Kansas City. Um, What's yeah, the weather like I, down I, there? Uh, it's it's about sixty five and overcast, uh, some showers, so hell of a lot better than Philly, but not great Tampa weather. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that shouldn't be an issue from the standpoint uh, of. You know, some of the things going on in Kansas City and Buffalo um, should be fine when it comes to weather-wise. It's, you know, I, I think this is a good opponent for the Eagles. I think this is a good situation for the Eagles. I think they should be able to win the game. But it's hard to imagine them putting it together after watching them stumble down the stretch against teams even worse than Tampa Bay. Uh, hopefully the sense of urgency uh, cleans up some of the communication issues, some of the issues. But you saw communication. I mean, what what the heck was Dallas doing? And as you said, that's supposed to be a great defense, and they couldn't communicate in, in the playoffs, you know, after 18 weeks. So um, the Eagles aren't the only team struggling on defense. It's an offensive league. 
One thing I like about Detroit, and I would recommend, the Eagles typically do this as, as, as well, but not as much as Detroit. The one thing I like about Detroit is they always go and try and win the game. There's so many, in other words, you know, you saw it on the other side with Sean McVay. Yeah, it was fourth and fourth, but they knew they weren't getting that ball back, and they punted anyway, or they should have known they weren't getting the ball back. If you're in the game late, go try to win the game. Don't don't play it safe. This is the modern NFL. Well, I'll tell you what, John. I have no idea what to expect tonight, and I don't know that I feel any better or worse after this conversation, but I always appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Take care. I, I, again, I mean, he talked about A.J. Brown and what they might do, and I, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I, I You know, normally, you know, I have like a um, some sort of vision in my head of how I think they you know, that doesn't mean it's right. At least I have yeah. some sort of like this is how I see things happen, and that's I have the, no anticipation of what to expect tonight. Every yeah. game for the last six weeks, and even before that, has been sloppier than the, the previous one. Eagles could win thirty-one nothing. They could lose thirty-one nothing. They could win close and ugly. They could lose close. Like to your point, I don't have a clue. But all we do know is they are limping into this matchup, man. Limping. Limping. <laughs> all right. More sports batch coming up. 97.3 ESPN. We got five from Danny Rye to put us in a little better mood, maybe. Who knows? We'll see what he's got coming up next on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. This. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Official home for Eagles playoff football. He's hit. They got him back at the 22. It's the Super Wild Card Round as the Eagles travel to Tampa to face the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football, 97.3 ESPN. Coming hot. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the free mobile app. We're live at the Gallery Bar Bucket Games, Ocean Casino. Super Wild Card Weekend continues in about an hour. We'll keep you up to date on Buffalo and Pittsburgh. Sixers, a winner today on Martin Luther King Day. Big winner. Still going. 124-113 with 20 seconds left to go. Mike and Ryan, our on-site producer, Danny Ryan. And the Sports Batch today, of course, is brought to you by my friends over at Progressive Fence and Railing. They're your secret weapon. Whether you need a durable fence or railing, a stylish deck, a beautiful awning, they got the magic touch. Experience top-notch quality, impeccable craftsmanship, and finance options that fit your budget. Budget. Grab your free estimate today. Visit ProgressiveFenceAndRail.com. We're live at the Gallery Bar Booking Games, and they brought you that conversation with John McMullen. Real quick. So... My back porch has, like, vinyl um, so to keep the heat in. Okay, yeah. And we have it, like, you know, bolts it down. So the wind was so bad this weekend that the wind got up underneath 
and ripped some of the grommets right off my porch. Nice. It was unbelievable. I will say, you obviously live more towards the shore, 20, about, what would you say, 20 minutes, 15 minutes from AC. The difference from driving from Medford, New Jersey, more towards Marlton, Sherry Hills, south in Jersey to here, just walking the two minutes I walked in the parking garage to get into the casino, I was freezing. So, I mean, the windshield down here is no joke. Yeah, well, we're closer to the water there. Of course, uh, the Danny ocean Ryan. breeze. Yeah, yeah, man. I know. Science. I know. Yeah, science, baby. <laughs> yeah, but I, I look, I mean, I could not believe it. My buddy and I, he's like, there's no way any wind's getting up under these grommets. No wind. Now, Josh, you've been to my house. You saw those. I mean, I cannot believe the wind ripped some of the grommets right off of the thing. I, I assumed that thing was signed, sealed, and delivered forever. <laughs> right? Now, imagine Kansas City. I mean, people's beers were freezing, turning into slushies in their that. laps. I saw that. Now, my buddy texted me that tickets right now for the Buffalo game, you can still get in for 40 bucks. Really? Yeah. Okay. They were about, somebody texted into the locker room of Billy Schwam and I was producing yesterday, and they said they were around 100 because he was comparing it to the Kansas City ticket. They were so dirt cheap because of how bad the weather was at 30, 40 bucks. I, I, I'm, I'm glad because I didn't get Peacock. I was out watching the game for a little bit, but the game was just never competitive. So I don't feel like I missed anything. Right. Right. I mean, never a competitive game. The atmosphere was just really cool to watch. Like, I just kept looking back at the players and the smoke coming out of their mouths. I mean, it was just bizarre. And you could tell. Oh, I the think, Dolphins wanted no part of being there. Of course. And all the Dolphins players were affected. But how about Tua Tagovailoa? I mean, he he looked like he'd rather be anywhere else on earth. Well, think did about you, this. Did you hear what he said after the game? No. What did he say? He, he said that, you know, they basically lost the game because they didn't practice right. What? Yeah, he was. They they were playing it all late night on on ninety seven three ESP after the game. It's just like the the comment was so bizarre. Like, how do you blame the loss on practice? I don't understand why some of these athletes say the things they say post game. Doesn't make much sense. If you're Miami, are you pretty much like at peace with the fact that if you're not the number one seed and getting all home games, that you're never winning the Super Bowl? <laughs> Seriously. Like, if they have to go on the road, it's this time of the year. If you're going to Buffalo, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, you're never playing in an environment that suits the team that you built. That was the third, like, coldest game in NFL history, though. I mean, that's that's an unfortunate bounce. Well, guess what? <laughs> Is it not? Their season ended the way it did. They could have won the division. They would have had that game at home. They ended up losing to Buffalo. They had to travel to Kansas City. Your other option was playing in Buffalo, which would be so bad that they had to cancel the game. Yeah, it's even worse. Yeah. But it's typically not like that, though. I mean, it's cold. It is cold. I mean, I'm not denying that. Jeez. It is cold. Oh, man. All right, let's get to five from Danny Rye. All right, starting off number one. This brings a smile to my face. There's not many smiles regarding the NFL and my favorite team right now, but this brings a, sm a smile to my face. Starting with the uh, NFL national news, let's take a, a look at our arch rivals, the Dallas Cowboys. Last night... Oh, boy. America's team ruined a 12-win season for the third straight year with a 48-32 loss against the seven-seed Green Bay Packers. Additionally, the Packers' upset win over the Cowboys made Green Bay the first seven-seed to ever win a playoff game. I was very shocked to see that Well, step. it's only the second year. Third. Or the third year? Okay. Either way. It's the third year. Yeah. So, And the seven-seed every time has been, like, not competitive. Yeah, right. Uh, also, too... 
the Cowboys. That's their second wild card loss in the past three years, in which they got 12 wins each year. So, huge disappointment. Mike Ryan, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that there will be a new head coach for Dallas and the Cowboys next season. But my question for you both is. You think it's that? I mean, is it definitive in I your think guys' so. mind? Don't you think it would have happened by now? I don't. I, well, Jason Garrett spoke on it in the night game last night, and he said they're going to decompress and take about 24 to 48 hours, then fire Mike McCarthy. I, I, I truly do think this was his in or out year to prove it, but we'll see. I mean, he's got one year left on his deal. Finish your question. But he's got one year left on I his deal. I think it's a foregone conclusion to me, especially with how hot some of these candidates are on the free agent coaching market. But uh, my question is, let's assume they do move on from Mike McCarthy. Should they pair moving on from Mike McCarthy with moving on from quarterback Dak Prescott after another postseason collapse? <laughs> I mean... Listen, I get it. Dak is what he is. He led the league at passing, touchdowns. He had a great year, yada, yada. He came up small again in that game. Did they lose because he was awful? Yeah, he was part of it. The question, here's the problem. I don't know if you guys were watching NFL Countdown yesterday. Alex Smith brought up a very interesting point in that there used to be a middle ground of quarterbacks in terms of pay. The problem has now become... You're either getting paid $40 million a year or you're on a rookie deal. There's no in-between money. Dak Prescott is not worth the $40 million level of quarterback, but he's obviously not on the rookie deal anymore. But is he going to accept $18 million, $20 million? Like, there is no... It's either I want $225 million or I'm on my rookie deal and there's no middle ground. So if you're the Cowboys... And you're Jerry Jones. The guy's 81 years old, by the way. How many more, you know, bites of the apples he get here where he says, I can get rid of my quarterback and start with something that's a complete unknown? Is he going to go after who? They're not going to be in a position to draft a quarterback. Right. So now you're in the free agent situation. You don't know who's available. Like, I, I, I mean, you're stuck in a crappy position if you're Dallas. Yeah, you are. I, I, McCarthy's going to get fired, but MG brings up Jerry Jones. The coach ain't the problem. right? I, I posted earlier, Danny, look at the list of coaches in Dallas. Chan Gailey, 0-2 playoff record. Dave Campo, 15-33 and record. Parcells, 0-2 playoff record. Wade Phillips, 1-2 playoff record. Garrett, 2-3 and three in the playoffs. McCarthy, now 1-2. The problem is not the head coach. Although I think McCarthy's a joke, he needs to be fired. The bigger issue is Jerry Jones running that organization. But they have the talent seemingly on both sides of the ball. Where's the disconnect here? It's not the talent or necessarily roster construction. I think it's just culture and everything else that goes on in between oh, those listen. walls. That's the problem. Talent is never their issue. I say this all the time. This goes back to the Garrett years. They always had the more talented team. They were the worst. They were the least prepared team. They were the more poorly coached team. That happened again yesterday. They were not the better prepared team. They don't pay attention to details. They lost because they got outcoached. Better coach was on the Green Bay side. The better coach was on the Green Bay side. And every time Dallas loses, you don't lose because you say they're not talented enough. They were the more talented team on the field, bar none yesterday. But they're an undisciplined team. Penalties, turnovers, always a problem. By the way, these Cowboy Borans who constantly think that the referees are against them, were so bad in Dallas's favor yesterday. I mean, the they were trying to give Dallas a couple opportunities. I mean, the the um, 
the horse collar tackle that they got called for. I mean, there were some bad calls that hurt the Packers in the game yesterday. That said, they were outcoached again. Big time. All right, so to sum it up, Mike's not sure that Mike McCarthy will get fired. And you don't think they can move on from Dak Prescott because there's no better option right now, and they're committed with the money. Ryan, you think they will fire him, but you agree with Mike that they probably won't move on from Dak. Absolutely. Absolutely. See, I'm not – I do agree. You made some good points, Mike, that it's going to be tough to get a better option than Dak Prescott at this point because you know what he is, but you also don't have many options in the free agent market, and they're not going to have a high draft pick unless they give up their future for a top-five pick. With that being said, I think – Jerry Jones is going to seriously consider it. What he was saying in his post-game pressers yesterday, I mean, he essentially said this is the most disappointing loss I've ever experienced. Should be. It should be because it's as wide open that the league has ever been. You had a home game against an inferior opponent, a seven seed. How about them Cowboys? All right. I mean, they could go get like a a, a Kirk Cousins, and that would possibly be your Best free agent option. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Cowboys fans are salivating to get Russell Wilson Just, in Just, I mean, that's your problem, though. And, yeah. like, Mike McCarthy's in the same boat. He is the Dak Prescott of coaching. He wins 12 games. You're going to get 12 wins and be a number one seed and get home playoff games. But what good does that do you if you can't get over the hump against playoff-quality opponents? And... He's the Doc Rivers of the NFL. All right, we got to move on. Quick thought, though, before <laughs> yeah. we get off this topic. Bill Belichick, head coach, looking to prove it with another good QB in a different place. Russell Wilson, looking to get out of Denver. They could unite in uh, Dallas. You never know. But moving on to number two, let's look ahead to the possible future for the Philadelphia Eagles for a second and assume the Eagles edge out a victory tonight against the Bucks. What would be your level of confidence on a scale of 1 to 10 heading into Detroit for the divisional round against the Lions and Let's just be honest. Their crazy home atmosphere in the Dome at Ford Field. And that place was rocking. I'll tell you what. It depends. What am I getting tonight? Right. Yeah, dude. You're really, I mean, you're asking us to take a, a very bold leap. It's the a hard-hitting, leap. hard-hitting question, baby. I mean, if they <laughs> win 9 nothing, I don't care how they win. <laughs> Well, their def- that means their defense pitches a shutout, but their offense looks terrible. They're falling so low as fans. So low. But it's their fault. Listen, if you told me, like, I was thinking last night, like, can you imagine if, if the Rams win this game and they get a home playoff game? I mean, this Eagles team is not equipped to go into a Detroit Lions atmosphere second-round playoff game. My question is, though, do we think Detroit, they won that game, okay, which is huge for them. But is the moment going to be too big for a team that literally has no success? I don't know. I think the moment might have been too big yesterday, or I thought it might have been too big yesterday when the Rams were charging down the field on both of those drives. They got bailed out on that call. They did get bailed out. They did get bailed, but But the result's the result. Yeah, that's the NFL. I mean, that's just life in pro sports. I, I think I agree with you, Danny. Yesterday was the big exhale, get over the hump. Now it's like, let's go, boys. We just gave this city a playoff win. Jared Goff and the whole crew, they're already legends in that town. Just for winning one playoff game, we got another one at home in our place. Let's just go get it. Like, I, I think they could ride this wave to the to the Super Bowl. Put it this way. Would you think if the Eagles win, do they have a better shot to go to Detroit or Dallas? Oh, uh, Dallas. But that's like 5% to 2%. 
<laughs> like as far as chances I would give them. Right? Just because I don't believe in Dallas. Yeah. That, if you would have asked me before the Dallas game yesterday, I probably would have said Detroit because of Dallas' success at home. But then they just got exposed by Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. So obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm going to say we'd have a better chance against Dallas. All right, looking ahead to number three, I think we can all agree that should be a steady volume of the rushing attack tonight. <clears throat> Excuse me. Rushing attack tonight. But if we know Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni, we know there's probably going to be anywhere between 20 or 35 passes from the Eagles offense, depending on the health of Jalen Hurts' finger. With all that being said, who do you guys expect to step up tonight? The sleeper X factor in the passing attack during passing attack. I cannot speak today, clearly, during the absence of wide receiver one AJ Brown. <laughs> that was cracks me up. Well, I know. I said it for you. Oh, I said it for you. Not WR1, but wide receiver. So who steps up? Yeah, who's the sleeper X factor? Who steps up in this passing attack? Because let's be honest, we know they're not shying away from it. Well, despite the weather, despite oh, his finger. I, I actually do believe they're going to run the ball tonight. I think they will, but I think you can probably guarantee choice. close to 20 passes for Jalen Hurts tonight. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, 20. 20 is nothing. I mean, I, I 20 think or 30. they ran the ball 40 times in Tampa the last time they played, and Hurts still threw 37 passes. Yeah, I mean, I, it's and really the Brown range. Brown had 130 yards. Yeah. I mean, who's the guy? I think, it, I mean, obviously, it's Smith. But to me, I look at Goddard as we keep talking about teams are blitzing you, the hot routes, all that stuff. Those are situations you either keep your tight end to help block. Maybe without A.J. Brown, you do a lot more 12 personnel to tight end to help out against the blitz. But those short, little, quick, uh, hot routes, that's a tight end. It's like make their money. Exactly. So <laughs> Goddard would be my guy tonight that at the end of the night we're looking at and say that's the best game he's had all year if they won. Listen, Smith, in my mind, and this isn't a, really a bold statement, he's a top five guy potentially in the NFL at the wide receiver position. You need to get him involved, dude. You need to get him 10 targets, 7 catches, 100 yards, and, and a tutty or two. He's got the ankle problem, too. I, I don't think That's he's speed up as we might imagine he is because he did say that if it was a playoff game last week, he would have suited up. He would have been out there. Right. So, so we'll, we'll find out. But then also, if you want to look for a real sleeper, it's Julio Jones. Can he rewind the clock a little bit and, ah. and give us 60 yards and a touchdown? <laughs> he had two touchdowns last week. Yeah, but they were garbage. I, I know, mean, but I'm saying, like, that's who what, what he is and who he is. I don't know that you're – I think you're getting him in the red zone, that kind of stuff. I don't know you're getting him up and down the field. What about yeah. Quez Watkins? Apparently Jalen Hurts texted him, you better be ready to answer when I call your number. Yeah, if I'm oh. Quez, I'd respond, you better be ready to throw it. <laughs> if I'm Quez, I'm responding, new phone, who this? Yeah, I don't true. want to be part of getting ripped by this Philly Who was it last week? Gainwell threw that pass, the lefty. That's a nice ball by him. Yeah, I'm going to go, honestly, bold take, Alameda Zacchaeus. Showed success in Tampa last time he was there in week three. If he targets him, I think, I mean, he's been pretty consistent and solid every single time his name has been called. All right, quickly to number four, back to the future for a second, guys. If the Eagles lose tonight or even next week, we know the possibility of firing Nick Sirianni is fairly high per reports. So I want you both to throw your preferred head coaching candidate for the Eagles in the trash for this question. And I want you to predict the candidate that you think Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman would bring in to fit the organization's mold. We know, as you talked about earlier, Mike, that Lurie typically targets offensive-minded coordinators or assistant coaches that have no prior NFL head coaching experience. So who do you think on the market right now he would target or they would target? Oh, man. Under the history that they have yes. of, of like finding a un, uh, uncovering their own guy not taking somebody else who's already you know it's like the whole um 
you know, I've worked at a chain restaurant for 10 years as a server, but then I try to go to the high-end steakhouse, and they're like, I've worked 10 years as a server. Yeah, but you have bad habits. Right. You worked at a place that we don't want you to work like. That's what I feel like Lori and – here's the thing. Lori is not getting rid of Roseman, and the established coaches are not dealing with Roseman. That's your issue of trying to hire a Belichick or a Frable or a Harbaugh. It's a problem. They don't want to deal with Roseman, and Lori's not getting rid of Roseman, nor am I advocating to get rid of Roseman. That's why they go in the direction they do with the coach. So all these speculations of Belichick or Frable, I would go with Frable. He's the guy that I like the most, but I do not see that happening at all because of Roseman's presence. And quite frankly, I understand it. I would keep Roseman too. Yeah, I, I get it. I, Roseman is a stud. He's a genius. But, man, the, the narrative changes, boys. I know we have to answer this quickly, but if the Eagles lose and let's say the Eagles fire Nick Sirianni, the narrative changes. You fire Dougie P after winning the Super Bowl. You fire Nick Sirianni. You start to wonder, can anyone coach for these guys? I want him to go get a Harbaugh. Or of Rabel. So it would be interesting. Rabel would be my pick if I had a carte blanche. We're going to hold off on number five. We'll get to that later. But a little bit of Sixers news. Some rumblings in the trade market for a certain star guard. We'll get to that later. But that was, at least for now, four with Danny huh. Rod. Four? <laughs> you got chopped at the knees for right. one question. What time is it? All right. uh, football at four is on the way. Jeff Mosher on what he's hearing right before kickoff today. With the very latest on this team, the injury situation we know, A.J. Brown is out, Jalen Hurts is in, Smith in, Swift in, Jurgens in. Slay back. What about Maddox? Blankenship. How's that defense going to look? We'll get the very latest for Football at Four with Jeff Mosher from the Inside the Birds podcast. Coming up next. Jersey 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Just hungry to bring back another Lombardi to Philly. Uh, it's uh, The fans deserve it. Our team deserves it. Uh, culture begs for it. Now live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, this is Football at Four. Football at four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It's brought to you by Bet365. Whatever the moment, whatever the sport, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Jeff Mosher and the crew will have their Eagles pregame show for Inside the Birds coming up on their YouTube channel. You can search that as the Eagles get ready to take on Tampa Bay in the wild card round. It's the five versus the four. Philadelphia, a slight favorite in the game. Mike Gill, Ryan Rothstein, we are live on site at the Oceans Gallery bar book and game, which, by the way, the bar, the bar is already filled. There is not a seat left as uh, people start to fill in for the 4.30 kickoff between Buffalo and Pittsburgh and then Philadelphia tonight. But injury, a big storyline, guys, in this game, and we bring in Jeff Mosher to the conversation, and we start with that. You know, Jeff, you get an injury of A.J. Brown proportion, you would think that that would make people feel like, oh, my gosh, but it almost feels like, eh, there, there's no, there's no juice behind the game so much so that people aren't even all that, uh, don't even care that much that Brown is out. Do you feel that as well? Uh, well, <laughs> I certainly understand the sentiment when a team goes one and five down the stretch and loses to the Giants and the Cardinals that it really doesn't matter at this point whether a great player is there or not. But 
in the playoffs, you know, anything can happen. We've already seen some pretty crazy games in the postseason. And, um, you know, again, the Eagles, I understand saying, like, I know some people think that if you're not going to win a Super Bowl, then it doesn't really matter. Um, and, I, and I would agree that even if the Eagles beat the Buccaneers, they're probably not staring down uh, a win in Detroit or going to the Super Bowl or getting through San Francisco. But the Buccaneers team is not very good. And, and Mike, I think people should be keyed into this game and should have interest in it because what you really want to see in this game is does Nick Sirianni find some answers? Does he does he pull himself and this team out of the malaise? Can they figure out better offensive construct against the blitz can they be better defensively after this terrible switch and play calling led to even worse defense you want to see signs mike of a life preserver Mm -hmm. being grabbed and that you might have faith about this team next year with nick sirianni at the helm because hey they were at least able to get maybe one or two playoff wins in even if they're not a super bowl team um yeah, how disconcerting is it for you on the day of the game that there is a lot of reporting going on about finger pointing and dissension in the locker room and questions regarding, you know, philosophy and offense and play calling? Well, I mean, that stuff isn't a surprise to us. You know, we've talked about this a lot on Inside the Birds, going back to, you know, players having some some say on what they felt was wrong defensively. Um, or even offensively, but defensively that led to the play caller change. So, yeah, we, we've known that this is not a team we've known for weeks. This is not a team that is fully on the same page, but so has the public, right? I mean, you've seen it uh, play out in front of you. You've seen the way they've played like a disjointed team. So it's been a concern for a couple of weeks. That's why we sit here today and we look at Nick Sirianni and all that he's accomplished in three years, the wins, the Super Bowl, the winning percentage, the road wins and you sit here today and you wonder if they don't win this game or if they win by the slightest of margin then get killed by Detroit or whatever what his future is that just shows you that right now this organization seems to be uncertain of itself and its own direction and future all right Moshe let's say you're Matt Patricia and I know that's a scary thought but just bear with me for a second you're uh you're do I have to leave my house Ryan because I do I, there's a lot of people who are angry at Matt Patricia right now yeah you do um big okay. Dom's not protecting you and the pencil will be behind your ear so I'm, I'm okay. sorry but you're at the whiteboard what's what's the game plan what's the first name or two that you're putting up there uh as far as the you know the plan to to, to try and help the Eagles get a win here tonight against this Tampa offense. Yeah, well, you know, I, I do not want to pretend that I'm some great defensive coordinator or a defensive mind, but if I'm to take a big picture of what you're asking, I would say the Eagles are built to be an attack defense. They are not built, they're not big up the middle, right? We know that. They're built to be fast around the edges and get after the quarterback up front. So if I'm Matt Patricia, I'm not trying to get too too cute here against a Buccaneers offense that really isn't great, right? I'm not trying to drop my edge rushers too much. I'm not trying to do too much disguise and deception. I just want to get back to getting the Eagles to be an attack defense, which means getting up the field fast. You know, you stop in the run on early downs. You try to make get them into third and 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 what I call unmanageable, third and six or longer. Right. And when you get those positions, you're you may you want to send an extra man. 
Blitz five, okay, but don't get too crazy. Just figure out a way to get your best players in position to rush the quarterback in those situations. Gil mentioned A.J. Brown out, and you know Danny Ryan earlier, our on-site producer, he asked us who's a, a sleeping giant. I'm paraphrasing what he said. A sleeping giant now for the Birds offensively. You know, is it Julio Jones? Obvious choice, of course, is Devontae Smith. Or is it just simply handing the ball off and that sets up for, you know, a big night from the backfield, right? Like who's who's going to be the guy if we're talking about a Birds win tomorrow? I actually think it has to be Dallas Goddard, Brian. I wow. think that the way that the Bucks play defense, they're going to blitz. We know this. Jalen Hurts is going to get blitzed as soon as he steps out onto Dale Mabry Highway. That's just how the Bucks play, and that's they know to expect that. And I, when I watched the tape of the game against the Giants without A.J. Brown after he went out, I thought that where they really struggled, and we can talk about like lack of out routes or quick outlets, but there were plays where – I just felt like Jalen was um, victimized by the fact that his his playmakers at that point would be, without Devontae Smith and AJ, would be Dallas Goddard, right? Olamide Zacchaeus and Julio Jones really struggled to get off of man coverage, to get open, to separate against man and man press. Now, they're not going to move, I don't think, Devontae Smith to the X position a lot just because AJ Brown's a lot because Devontae, you don't want him in that X. You don't want him pressed, Right. Julio Jones, you'll probably see there. He, at this point of his career, Ryan, I don't think he's that explosive guy who could just fend off great press coverage and get open really quickly. But Dallas Goddard should be that guy. The middle of the field with all the blitzing they do should be an area where Jalen Hurts and Goddard can connect very quickly, easily against blitzes or even get the RPO game going. Even, dare I say this, because it used to be a great play for them, but the tight end screen, tunnel screen, used to be a very effective play for them especially against blitzing teams so that to me is the connection that's the guy that i think really has to have the big game tonight uh jeff mosher inside the birds podcast uh most you know they played tampa and had maybe their most complete game of the season what can matt patricia maybe take from that game if anything and re-implement yeah i mean that that came at a time mike where A, the Eagles' run defense was really good, and Jordan Davis was playing really well, and Jalen Carter was playing really well. And I think that was Tampa at at that time. See, it's hard to just go back to week three. I think Tampa at that time is really just three weeks into its new offensive coordinator, Dave Canales. They're sort of finding their identity. They were struggling uh, with some injuries, more on defense than offense. But they were really just – they have five new – starting offensive lineman this year in new positions, meaning Tristan Wirfs is back, but he went from right tackle to left tackle. Every lineman that they are playing this year was in a different spot or with a different team last year. So I don't really think week three applies as much because that team was finding its identity and they found it along the way and they play a lot of 12 and 13 personnel. So they're going to be big up front to try to neutralize what the Eagles do up front defensively. But if you can take anything, the Eagles... Eagles ran the ball well, and that helped their defense stay off the field. Now, Matt Patricia's not in control of that. But the one thing we know about Baker is that he gets stuck in the pocket, meaning with the first reads not there, he's doing a better job now of kind of getting out of the pocket. But back then, he was still kind of jittery once you put him on second and third reads. So if they can somehow figure out a way to take all, you know, Mike Evans, right, bracket him, do whatever you got to do, and try to make him go elsewhere, while the heat is on him, 
then you can probably pressure him into a bad throw, a turnover. Remember, he's he's banged up. He's got rib injuries and ankle injuries. So, honestly, he's kind of there for the taking if you can get after him. Yeah. Bosch, um, let's keep it on the defensive side with Patricia, Slay back, Maddox, um, Blankenship. Do we, what do you think that secondary looks like tonight with Slay back? There's been, Byard said that they practice Maddox at safety. Um, I mean, do you think they try, try to get creative here tonight or was that just in break glass of in case of emergency if Blankenship couldn't play? Yeah, I, I completely think that's break glass of in case of emergency. They're deeper at slot corner than they are at safety. So, and Maddox did play some safety his rookie year for the Eagles when they had issues there. So it's not like he's completely unfamiliar with it. He's played it a little bit. Um, but it's easier to move Maddox there than half, let's say, let's say Blankenship couldn't play or gets hurt immediately and can't go, right? It's easier to move Maddox there and have Maddox and Byard and then put like Bradley Roby in the slot where there's experience or Eli Ricks, then try to fill that role with either a Tristan McCollum at safety or a Makai Garner at a playoff game for a guy who's played maybe 28 snaps in his entire career or an undrafted rookie ain't, ain't a good spot. Was so I this would understand. a game most that Bradbury played in the slot early in the season? Was he in the slot in that game down in, in Tampa? He was, and that's another player that they could. And in fact, they have been playing Bradbury in the slot again recently, but more as a second slot defender in dime coverage. So they would have Ringo on the outside, Ricks on the outside. Let's say today, it'll, tonight it'll probably be Slay on the outside and maybe Ringo on the outside in dime. You know, this is like, say, third and eight. And yeah. then on the inside, they'll have Maddox, theoretically, as a slot corner. And then Bradbury will most likely be up against a tight end, a flex tight end in that spot. Yeah, uh, a couple things. Um, when they went down there, you mentioned they ran the ball 40 times, 201 yards. Huge day for Swift. They ran the ball the week before against Minnesota very successfully. What happened in those two games with the running game that deteriorated? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Well, first of all, it's how you're defended also. And then the identity that the Eagles are trying to find. Uh, Minnesota Minnesota played some really strange fronts. They, were, they, and they wanted to blitz a lot, so they went light up front, Mike, and then just got you know, fastballs, fastball. Let's let's throw some fastballs at him with blitzes. And the Eagles were like, forget that. We'll just run some delayed runs against you, some upside. Up. And then once it started, the the Vikings really didn't adjust very well. They just didn't have really good front personnel to stop the run. Tampa Bay was a little different. I was actually surprised. But I think if we remember, Kalijah Kansi definitely was out of that game. He, he did not play because of a calf injury. I think Vita Vea was slowed up or did not play that whole game too. And the Eagles just caught him at a good time. The Eagles were on the ball really well. They haven't been running it as effectively or as frequently since. And we do know that the Eagles franchise does not want to be a franchise that runs its way to victory week in and week out. Let's always keep that in mind, too. This is just a complete speculation. Who knows? But a fun hypothetical here or just a look into your crystal ball, I guess. Jason Kelsey, maybe this is his last game. Do you think there's a possibility he went to the coaches, he went to Nick Sirianni, he went to Brian Johnson this week and said, listen, boys, come on, let's simplify this thing, get behind us. Like, we're going to we're gonna will this team to a victory offensively if you just to decide to commit to running the ball on Monday night. 
I mean, I do know there have been times where not him, but like the offensive line, even back in the Andy Reid era, has said, "Hey, let's go, let's keep running, let's keep, let's do it." That's more of an in-game thing. Um, maybe there have been conversations during the week about we can do that. But again, as I said, this organization now. The question is, does the organization do that? Are they just trying to get a win? I would understand it if they were, right? Uh, but does Nick Sirianni, who's probably already seen his name in reports throughout the last few days, does he think, I can run myself to a win here, but is that going to please my bosses? You know, is that what they want to see? They, they, they're paying me, and they're paying all this offensive personnel to be explosive and dynamic and light it up through the air. So I mean, that's no a, it's AJ a great Brown, a broken finger for Jalen. Sorry to cut you off, but there are some serious factors. Hey, there's always serious factors, man. So yeah, no, I mean, look, look, I'm, I'm with you. If the run game is working, you might as well lean on it and and go with it. I just don't know what that means yeah. behind the walls of the Novacare complex. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen. I think in most we started the conversation like this. The anticipation for this game is nothing. I mean, you're watching the game. Like, again, A.J. Brown out, and people are like, eh, whatever. I mean, it's almost as if I've gotten more reaction of Brown being out gives people some hope that they might just run the ball and try to overly simplify the game plan because he's out. And they don't have him to rely on. All right, let, let me ask you. If the Eagles win this game because they ran the ball a lot, and let's say they win like 23 to 20, all right? Because normally when you run the ball that well, that much, you don't score that. I mean, they scored 25 points in that, that game against Tampa, right? And I forget what the um, Minnesota game was. But normally when you run the ball a lot, you take up a lot of time and you don't score like the 35, 40 points unless you get really explosive runs. So if the Eagles win this game running the ball well, effectively, because they ran the ball well, win 23-20, I would ask you, A, does that make you think that people who, like the bosses of the team, feel better about the direction of the offense? And B, does doing that and then going and getting your teeth kicked in by the Lions next week really mean you accomplish anything if you are the bosses? For the fans, that's a different question. Anybody, we just want, fans, people just want to see them win, right? But like this, the, the, the ownership, the man, the people involved in running the Eagles don't want to just see an ugly run infested win and then getting your teeth kicked in the next week. They want to know that the billions of dollars they put into this offensive side can work. And they will not, I don't think that they would view a good running game as meaning the offensive problems are fixed. I I think it depends how it looks guys, right? Because last season you mentioned explosive runs and explosive plays. We saw that week in and week out last year. Like if Jalen rushes for over 60 yards tonight on the ground and a rushing touchdown that does not include the brotherly shove, right? And they get swift over a buck 25, right? If they're like dynamic and dangerous on the ground, then I think that's one thing. If they're just playing keep away and it's ugly and they win 13 seven, then more to your yeah. point, Mosh. But no matter, no matter how dynamic and dangerous on the ground you are. You have to be, this team, the way it's constructed, has to be equally dynamic through the air. It just has to be. You have A.J. Brown, you have Goddard, you have yeah. Smith, and you've, and then I get it, A.J. Brown's not playing today. So I guess that if I could add to my own conversation, if you ran the ball really well and won today and then went into Detroit and ran and passed the ball well, got yourself a win, then maybe people are feeling different. So just let's just get through today. But I'm just telling you the bigger picture is if this team doesn't figure out 
how to throw the ball well like they did last year and have explosive plays through the air, which is Nick Sirianni's number one offensive criteria, right? It's get explosive plays, prevent explosive plays. Then nothing changes even with an ugly run-driven win today, tonight. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, the aesthetics of the victory this week is is interesting because you don't have Brown, so you would be more able to say, look, we didn't have Brown, so we simplified things, and we moved to fight another day. Now, sure. I, 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 you know, <laughs> going next week is a whole other yeah. picture <laughs> that I don't even want to get into. It's because we're assuming that the defense can help this team win the game today and that is where i think the disconnect lies if you get out of the game ugly win offensively great but now you're assuming that the defense held up their end of the bargain and i'm not so sure that that's plausible in this instance i'm i'm with you man i think there's a lot of questions (laughs) right but you know this is where is there anything that we saw through the weekend like cleveland giving up 50 has to be a shock Dallas at home getting blown off the field. Eh, okay, maybe not as, as big of it, but like, let's be honest. Nobody thought Green Bay had 50 points in it, 48 points in them. 27 nope. in the first half. Nope. So, <laughs> I neither, don't know. And neither Can, of those teams did it with really explosive running game, by the way. They were throwing the ball around left and right. <laughs> right, exactly. So that's why, you know, it, it's like, would it be plausible to say that Philadelphia – uh, much like Dallas Goddard hinted at, has just been kind of waiting for this moment. You've got, as Ryan said, a bunch of guys who could be playing their last game as a Philadelphia Eagle. What kind of uh, heightened sense of urgency does that cause when you're possibly going through your last run? And if those are the only things you are clinging to, eh, I don't feel great. There you go. And don't forget, the other teams probably got similar stories, too, right? You got Baker Mayfield trying to prove he deserves a longer term. He's on a one-year deal. You got a couple of guys on the uh, Bucks who are veterans as well who are trying to make sure that it might be their last game and they want to go out, you know, they want to keep this thing going, too. Todd Bowles might be coaching for his job, to be honest with you. Well, so, how how plausible in your mind is it that Nick Sirianni is in any trouble with, with the outcome of this game? Two weeks ago, I would have said no. Based on what I know and how things are going on in that building right now, um, I, you know, I, I can't rule it out. I can't. Which I'm not saying I support or agree with. I'm just saying no, the no. vibes the vibes I get. Um, you know, it's one thing to lose. It's it's another thing to sort of project as if you're, none of your answers are working. And, you know, make it, giving that impression off to the public or to your bosses. But right now, I mean, at one in five, even the one win – as we've all said, felt like loss, right? How much of that is tied to the candidates that are available? I don't think it has anything to do with it. Okay. That's just my re- my my personal reason. Oh, I, know, listen, I, I, like I, I'm in the camp that it should. I don't think Jeffrey Lurie would bring in a Belichick or a Vra- uh, put it this way. My my thought, and I told Ryan this before, is. Lori is tied to Roseman. He's not going anywhere. Those guys are not dealing with Roseman. So, therefore, you're not bringing in a Belichick, a Vrabel, a Harbaugh to work with Roseman. Um, I would agree with that on the surface. The one thing that I can never – the one thing that I never rule out is, like, uh, on 20 years more of covering this team is that there's always some strange thing that I never expected to happen that can happen. Um, so, you never know. Like, does does – like, Jeffrey Lurie's getting older. He's eventually going to hand this thing over to Julian Lurie. And it might be sooner than we think. I have no idea. I have no idea. You know, he's just getting older, right? So 
does he change his up his philosophy a little bit to say I need to I got a window I got a good 453 get me Belichick for two years Howie won't like it that's all right I'm going to name him president of the franchise pay him really well and he's going to stay out of it like some of the stuff we've never seen happening we never saw him giving all that power to Chip and banishing Howie so I can't rule out anything but I would agree with your overall premise that if you're looking at the recent history of the team that doesn't seem like an the type of coach that Jeffrey Lurie would bring in but to your point about candidates being out there when they fired Doug Peterson a couple of years ago, that was late in the process. And I don't even remember that being a, a great hiring cycle. Like, you know, Arthur Smith was a good candidate. A lot of people liked him, but he basically already took the Atlanta job. So it was down a little job. Josh McDaniels and Nick Sirianni, which Jeffrey Lurie knew that when he fired Doug Peterson way after the end of the season, after a second conversation, there was no Harbaugh. There was no Belichick. There was no Andy Reid. He doesn't care about that stuff because he always, in, from what I observe, he feels like he'll interview a bunch of guys and he will find the right guy. Now, we can we can debate that process, that vetting. The if he if he winds up moving on from Nick Sirianni, we could say what is it you're looking for here? Because you know you fired a guy who won a Super Bowl and then a guy who went to the playoffs three straight years and went to a Super Bowl. So what do you think you are looking for in a coach? We can talk about that, but that's for you know if it ha- if it were to happen, right? Yeah, and I, I just want to add, you bring up Lurie and his age and how much time maybe he has left before he passes the torch. I think that's a good point that I didn't really think about, Moshe, because I've been screaming Sirianni's got to go. But mm-hmm. maybe he just doesn't want to go through that process again. Like, he just brought Sirianni in, and he's not going to sit here right now and say, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this again, man. Like, we have to bring this dude back next year and, you know, see how he bounces back, if he does at all, you know? Yeah. Yeah, listen, um, people in the league tell me this all the time, and they're not talking about Jeffrey Lurie with just conversations that I have about ownership. And they, they always say, you know, the older owners get, watch their moves. They get a little bit more impetuous. They get a little bit more impulsive, especially if they feel like their their time is limited. I, and I don't think that – I'm sure you can find the opposite I, I, of the case, but – this is just from people who have, you know, who will tell you nine times out of ten or seven times out of ten, you'll right. see that happening from ownership. Jeff Mosher and the crew getting ready for the Inside the Birds pregame show on their social media platform. Just uh, go to YouTube, search Inside the Birds, and they'll get you ready for the Eagles and the Bucks with plenty more in depth. By the way, we had Clay Harbor on the other day who's been doing great film breakdown with Greg great Cosell. Stuff. And I asked him how much, because he obviously close and covers the bears a lot as well and Mm -hmm. asked him how much he thought tj edwards would help this team and he was Mm -hmm. almost like perplexed that you know they even let him go for how much he did for that bears team he said look they had a top five defense the last half of the season and basically that was all spearheaded by edwards telling people how to line up where to line up and and as that that is something that has lacked on this defense do you concur a hundred percent. I don't. I don't know that this defense is a TJ Edwards away from being top five <laughs> or top ten. But I certainly think there have been moments, you know, in games, whether on third down or just in coverage, short coverage, or against the run, where having TJ Edwards could have made a, a, a significant difference. Yes. All right, Moshe. We'll let you get ready for your show. Take care, bud. All right, guys. Have a great one. All right, Jeff Mosher, Inside the Birds podcast. We got sound of the day coming up. Casey Joyner, one thought every game. 
We'll give our picks, game balls, and more. The kickoff of the Bills and uh, Pittsburgh getting ready to go. Sixers with a big win. Flyers play tonight. It's a great sports day. Can't beat it, man. Can't beat it. And it's separated perfectly. Sixers at one. Fly guys, birds tonight. Let's go. More Sports Pass live at the Ocean Gallery Bar Book and Games is coming up next right here on 97.3 ESPN.com. It's for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. With Mike Gill. Do I have everybody's attention now? On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. To the gallery bar booking games, a full house bar, man. You got that bar already rocking for the early game, which just uh, kicked off. Pittsburgh and Buffalo. We're live at the gallery, of course. The Eagles tonight, and I would anticipate that um, the bar will stay packed. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe the Eagles fans don't give a rat's rear end. <laughs> nah, it's going to be. I've seen a lot of Eagles gear today. Absolutely. The girl just walked up. She had the Kelly Green on. Yeah. You got the Kelly Green. He's got the Kelly Green. It's game day, man. They should rock the Kelly Green today. Probably the last game day. So you got to rock it while you can. Right? Eagles are undefeated wearing Kelly Green, guys. What are they wearing tonight? Do we know? All white. Okay. Don't love it. <laughs> Hey, guys, for uh, today's Sound of the Day brought to you by Boardwalk Hot, I want to talk about some losers with you. Can we do that? I feel like we've been talking about losers all day. Why yeah. not keep it going? <laughs> Loser Monday. So let's start with the aforementioned losing Dallas Cowboys. I know the conversation has been heavy about what they should do. Well, Dan Orlovsky had a very long dissertation say on Get Up, and I want to play you a part of what he said because Dan Orlovsky – he, he's not just saying, hey, you know, maybe they should fire Mike McCarthy. Nah, Orlovsky's going more big picture than that. Take a listen. I restart everything. I'm changing it all. Because a lot of people are running from the truth in this one. This is the highest expectations the Cowboys have had in probably three decades. Okay, this is a football team that had won 15 straight games at home. They were averaging almost 40 points per game at home. They got 15 pro bowlers, who's the second most in the NFL, and they got dump trucked. That's a great term. I don't know that I've ever heard that before. Now you're going to use it, right? He's not wrong, (laughs) but here's the problem as we broke down a little earlier, guys. Jerry Jones is 81 years old. You can't hit the reset button. Well, what's the reset? I mean, for Jerry Jones, anything's on the table, first and foremost. But I do agree. Like, his age and and he wants to be competitive. I would be shocked if he just cuts ties with Dak. But I could see him keeping Dak around and trying to add another guy. How much more you get? You just heard what he said. He had how many pro bowlers? You won 15 in a row at home. I mean, how much more talent can they have? I well, that's mean, why the question is, is it the coach or is it the players? Orlowski's saying, you know, you know, dump the whole thing. But the, the question goes back to, if you want to dump the whole thing, you'll just have to change the coach. You can dump the whole thing if you're Detroit and you have a young core and a young GM. Jerry Jones is 
the GM of the team. He needs to dump himself and let the <laughs> GM take over. That's the problem. That's not going to happen. So well, as an 81-year-old GM, your vision is different than a 35-year-old GM. Sure, but it also goes back to the conference. I don't know if you guys saw the story of the weekend, but uh, William Clay, who's the head of player personnel for the Cowboys, he declined any interviews. And basically the story by Albert Breer was saying that William Clay is basically running the Cowboys, like, front office, basically. And he basically is reporting directly to Jerry Jones. And that's why he's not leaving. It's tough, man. I mean, this is a team that has won 12 games the last three straight years. Yeah. So what's the problem? You look at the list of coaches that have been the head coach down in Dallas. They've all failed. Right? So I I think McCarthy's a joke. Well, I'll say this. Jimmy Johnson was, at the time, you know, a college coach. They brought him in. Yep. They won Super Bowls. They got rid of him because Jerry Jones wanted more control. They did hire Bill Parcells at one point. But everybody since that time has been kind of a half-assed guy. I mean, yeah. you had Dave Campo and, you know. Um, Gailey. Chan Gailey. Right? Yeah. Wade Phillips. Jason Garrett. Right. And right. Parcells didn't have success either. I, I mean, he was still Parcells. I just don't understand the concept of this. Like, maybe this is crazy to me. Like, even the thing with the Eagles. If you won the Super Bowl, how could you be pissed if you won, well, we ran too much, and I don't like that. Who cares? Why do you have to win Analytics. in a certain way? But Because well, the game is pointing in a certain direction. I get that, but if you buck the tr- – let's just say you – like, Mosher was talking about, like, if they won, but – the, running the, the ball. The, right, that the, the higher-ups wouldn't be happy. Like, we heard that a couple years That's ago. Insane. They won that game, but they didn't like how much they ran the ball. Like, right. how does that even enter your mind? Like, Especially with, with this year. You know, you look at this season and heading into this game, you're just thrilled, I would imagine, at least, if you get a win tonight. You don't care how you do it, if you're Jeffrey Lurie especially. Right? But, but we look at... How you mentioned, MG, not to get us too sidetracked, Josh, but you mentioned Jerry firing Jimmy Johnson because of the control thing. Mm-hmm. Well, after That scares after me, though, like, because the Eagles, are the Eagles heading in that direction? If they fire Nick Sirianni, right, now all of a sudden you look you look at Jeffrey Lurie and Howie, do they have a, a power issue? Well, that's the accusation has been if the Eagles get rid of Sirianni, are they... Do they have a stability issue? Like, are right. people want to get The difference for them has been that they have had success. They <laughs> have the track record of right. hitting them. Now, they would say they only won one Super Bowl. They got back to a Super Bowl. So, that, but they have had, how many times in your lifetime have the Eagles been a 5 and 12 type of team? Yeah, not many. Not I mean, many. Three only or four a couple, times. maybe. Right, yeah. exactly. So, they have the track record of saying, we know when to pull the plug and we're ready to move on if someone doesn't want to get in line with us. And yeah, Doug Peterson won the Super Bowl. He didn't want to do what we wanted to do. We moved on and we got back to another Super Bowl. But you lost it. You lost it, but still like. And now look where you're at. But how many teams would, I get it, but how many organizations and franchises would die to be in the position that the Eagles are. A, a ton, but we're still. I think we are still early on in the aftermath of the firing of Doug Peterson. Like, I still think we can look back at that and say, man, that was a mistake. The Eagles have only had five losing seasons since 2000. So five in 23 years. Right. So they're basically saying we have a way. Yeah. 
it's illogical to think you're going to win the Super Bowl every year, but as long as we're one of the teams that are at the top of that list, we're okay with that. Mike, do the Eagles have a process and are sticking with it? Seems like it. <laughs> do we trust it? Do you trust the Eagles' process? That's a good question. Well, you know, that's why the whole Belichick, Vrabel thing, to me, Harbaugh, that group of guys just aren't in play here because the Eagles have shown time and time again that they feel that they have a method of hiring the coach and that's the way they're going to stick. I would love, just throwing it out there, I'd love to see Harbaugh at head coach and Greg Roman, OC, South Jersey boy. But it would never happen. I agree. Harbaugh's probably going to the Chargers. Probably. Yeah, and look, I, I, you know, I don't think, again, I go back to the Roseman thing. I don't think that Lori Roseman wants someone who's going to challenge that synergy that they have. Right. Yeah, I know. I, you just can't help but wonder, is that a problem or is that a good thing? I, I don't know. So far, it's worked. So far, I mean, six playoff appearances in seven years. So, I mean, they're doing something right with these two coaches. Yeah. But it's just so hard. Like, if you're Dallas, you've won 12 games, 12 games, 12 games. How do you – now, we could say you won 12 games, 12 games, 12 games, and is the arrow pointing up or down? I don't know. I mean, they have – Guys, a, if I can jump in, the, the question they asked this morning on uh, on Sportsmanlike – I got the show's name right for once. On Sportsmanlike this morning on 97.3 ESPN was that the producer for Evan, Chris Caney, and Michelle Smallman asked – could the Cowboys look at Bill Belichick and Jerry Jones say, I want Belichick with the Cowboy star next to his name to get the all-time wins record, and he'd be a Cowboy and do it? That's a Jerry Jones type of a hire, is it not? Like, Jerry Ego is like, I want him to win it on my turf with my your name in the rafters, you know. And at that point, that's why you go get Belichick. Not even, nothing to do it with McCarthy. It was reported, I heard over the weekend somewhere, that Belichick and Jones do have a very good relationship. Interesting. So surprising. It's not as well. one of these things where it is far fetched to think that Belichick wouldn't want to maybe work with him. And you know, you or you have to assume, I should say, that Jones would throw him just bags and bags of money. Well, how about also the <laughs> fact that you know Belichick, you know, he wants to prove himself, right? He's still got that edge where it's like. I, you know, I want to be in that echelon and he could be Does the he? man who brings the Cowboys a championship. Yeah, I mean. I mean, talk about that for a hot spot. Uh, I don't think he cares <laughs> about that. I don't think he's. Belichick's out to a prove big himself. historian of the game. He's a he, big history guy. He's already. Like in the goat conversation, he could never coach again. So I don't yeah, know but if, if he, he does to... this. He'll do something that Don Shula never did. He also just doesn't feel like a cowboy type of a guy. Like he feels like a maybe an that's Atlanta the exact Falcons. reason why he should be in the Cowboys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I would say that it would make sense for the Cowboys to say, "Look, what we've been doing hasn't been working." We're going to finally step out of the way and let you take over because I'm 81 years old and I want to get this done. That would be the logical way to do it. Absolutely. Right? Like, okay, we How tried it my way. But <laughs> Broken clock is right twice a day. It, it's hard to it, it, it's hard to imagine that someone at that level of success, Jerry Jones, is going to all of a sudden look at himself in the mirror and say, I'm part of the problem here, yeah. and I'm willing to admit that and turn it over to somebody else. I'd also be extremely curious on Belichick's assessment of Dak Prescott. Like, maybe he says, I don't I don't like that guy. I don't believe in that guy. I don't want to coach that guy. 
Oh, Belichick. Yes. Um, man, there's just no touchdown. Wow. There's just no options, man. There's just no options. I know. You're stuck. It's the worst it's place bad to be for any team in football is in you sport. don't have the franchise quarterback, but you have a good quarterback, and now his contract comes up. And, you like, what, if you're the Dolphins, are you paying Tua? Ah, you led me right into my next bite, Mike, because I mentioned this in the last hour about what Tua said after the game. I just want your raw reaction because people Saturday night, everywhere I turn, were losing their mind when Tua said this. That's what I know. Are you willing to give this guy that contract to be your franchise quarterback? This is Tua after the Dolphins lost to the Chiefs. He was asked, how did this happen? I mean, it's a team sport. Um, we, we didn't come together the way we wanted to offensively. Uh, it showed tonight. And, uh, you know, as the leader of that offense, it really started with practices. So that's how we should have got, got things going was in practice, uh, with the communication, with knowing where we should be going in this loud environment. It's about practice? Not a game. Um, I'm fine with it. I don't think he said anything. What did he say? He said that they, they lost the game in practice. Right. I, I think he's, you know, he's saying we needed to prepare better. Uh, and collectively, we failed on that. Starts with me. I, I think he handled I, it well. I can't really take much from that game at all. No. The elements down there made me. Now, you could ask the question, well, why do you get. I'm not giving them a pass. They were not built. Just the reality. They're though. not built to be a December football team. Yeah, but not many teams are, Mike. No, but that element causes a complete toss-up type of a but result. But shouldn't they be better, guys, because they were one of the better rushing teams this year? Shouldn't they have been able to go and run the ball down there? No, it's negative 82 degrees, dude. Like, you can't prepare for that. I, I don't care if you're based out of Miami or North Dakota. If you're in North Dakota, you have a better chance of preparing maybe. for it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe. Seriously, though, like, did anybody in, in their right mind think that Miami had any shot to win that game? Just simply based on it was minus 30, and they're from Miami, and they're not playing it now. You could say, well, like Tampa beat the Eagles up here, and they never won under. Uh, being under 30 degrees is different than minus 30. It's a lot different. Yeah, that feels like a beach day compared to yeah, Arrowhead. And, and like, the I, they talked about this on game day the other day. Or not game day, uh, countdown. Their record under McDaniel in September and October versus, like, December – it's like it's they're the day. best team in the league in, in September and October, November. But once December comes around, they're about 500. And there's no coincidence that they can't play that style of football where they're throwing the ball over the yard. And, look, they had a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Yep. So it was far-fetched to think they were going to go to Kansas City and win regardless. But that – you have to wonder, and I talked about this before – if you're Miami, are you resigned to the fact that if you have to go on the road to play playoff games, your chances drop considerably to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender? I, I tweeted this out, that every stadium needs to have a retractable roof for this conversation. No, I'm way against that. I'm so, I'm, I'm so <laughs> for it. We don't need negative 32-degree no. weather when the whole year they don't play in that. And then that dictates the winner of a playoff game. I think it's silly. Well, that's why you play all year to get the game in your building. Sure. Fair. Yeah. Fair rebuttal. All Two right, points. Coming up.
<laughs> more sports fast live at the gallery bar booking games at ocean casino resorts text board 609-403-0973 eagles and bucks tonight we got plenty more next hour casey joiner one thought every game on the sports bash for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, welcome back. Sports Bass Live, 97.3 ESPN. Casey Joyner going to look at the game tape and let us know his thoughts on how Philadelphia can fix this, if anything. Does he see anything fixable about this team? That's coming up on the other side. When we go one thought every game, we'll get his thoughts on the Super Wild Card weekend and this game that's going on right now. Buffalo's up 7 nothing over Pittsburgh. And um, so far... Pittsburgh's offense has been uh, non-existent. Yeah, one way to put it. <laughs> Sixers with a big win today. Joel Embiid, what do you have, five, 40? 40 points in four minutes. 41. <laughs> Sold him short, 41. Uh, Casey Jordan, one thought every game on the other side. Plus, we'll give our thoughts, picks, game balls, and more. Live at the gallery, bar, book, and games at Ocean Casino Resort here in Atlantic City. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Super Wild Card Weekend is underway. Casey Joyner has one thought on every game, including the game that he is working the live blog for right now over at The Athletic. But he is taking a couple minutes of time to talk about what he saw this weekend, what he's seeing right now, and what he might see tonight. We go one thought every game with Casey Joyner here on the Sports Bass Live 97.3 ESPN brought to you by Frank Vinso, Frank Vincent Windows Siding and Doors. Make your home look new again. All right, Casey Joyner. One thought every game. Uh, Eagles and the Bucks tonight. No A.J. Brown for the Birds. So let's start there and get your thoughts on what this does to an offense that already had questions do they simplify things? Does this actually work for them? What did you think about when you heard no Brown for the Eagles? Well, I mean, it's it's one of those situations where I keep saying that they ought to run that arm ball more often. And mind you, the Eagles are 5-1 when they rush for 150 more yards this year. When you look at their passing, they have to get up to 295 yards before you start seeing the passing win rate starts to equal that. Maybe you can say 270 bucks or 5-1 and one when they're throwing for 271 more. So they have multiple paths to victory. And you hate to see a guy like Brown out, but I think uh, it, I think they're going to need to use some creativity. I've been talking of late that they've got these two receivers. You go tell them to get open. Now you only have the one. The defense can pay a lot more attention there. So I hope Sirianni said, look, I can be really creative with this, and I've got some other players. I've got Julio. I've got Goddard. I've got some other players I can get involved in the game, and maybe I can put some more play, play calling creativity into the ground game because they need to get that play calling creativity going because I think that's what the offense has been missing. 
Yeah, so you, you look at the team. You know, do you take anything at all if you're the Eagles from the last time you played in Tampa? You ran the ball 40 times for 200 yards. You threw the ball pretty effectively. A.J. Brown had 131 yards. He's not in this game. But do you look back at that game for anything that you could utilize in this game back in week three? That's a long ways back. You, you, don't, you don't want to think that you can go quite that far back. Having said that, uh, the Bucks gave up 131 rushing yards to Carolina in Week 18. They gave 108 to New Orleans in Week 17, and they've been pretty good before that. But they've been an inconsistent run defense. There were de- uh, in past years where you just couldn't do anything except, uh, uh, you know, you could not run the ball. You're going to have to pass. The Eagles show that they can run the ball against them, and with you know, the, the Bucks' recent struggles, if you're the Eagles, you can go, yeah, I could take something away from that to say, all right, Bucks, you're going to have to stop the run first because, yeah, I mentioned before, defensive coordinators fear uh, letting you run, you know, having you run the ball more than anything else. I think that that's going to be able to something that can open up the passing game. A lot of times, Eagles have been passed to open up run this year. I think they need to be the opposite side of the night. All right, uh, when you look at the Eagles' offense, let's stick on that side of the ball. Where's an advantage uh, that they have that you like and say, hey, look, you have this going for you. You should utilize it. Uh, if I had to say anything from a passing game advantage, funny thing is, is that if you look at the Bucks' coverage numbers, if you look at how uh, what their what their pass coverage metric have been, uh, covered vertical passes and individual cornerback uh, metrics, they've been awful most of the year. This is not a good team from a uh, from a pass defense perspective, from a matchup perspective. So, if they if you could get them to play man and say, finally got Smith versus whoever they decide to put on him, as long as he can get individual man coverage, you can find a way to keep the safety off him, or you know, even just do certain things to run away from the safety. They're fine from that perspective. So, it's not like they need to give up on the passing game. I think they've been just too pass centric, but they need to to pick their spots. But the Bucks have a lot of weaknesses in their secondary for us from a pass metric perspective. The Eagles ought to be able to get something to the air as well, assuming right. hurts his finger. You know. Uh, yeah, that's another factor in this whole thing. Casey Joyner, one thought every game. Eagles defense has been in shambles. Is this a get-right kind of offense to face here, or is there some matchups that you are concerned about if you're Matt Patricia? Uh, I mean, the Bucks only scored 22 points the past two weeks, but in the previous three weeks they scored 29 or more points. Uh, if I'm them, I think Baker Mayfield, if you give him particular situations, if you give him particular matchups, he can do pretty well. I look back at that Saints game just in Week 17 when the Bucks had four giveaways. Most they had all year, but they had five games of where they had two or more giveaways this year. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, five games had four, two more giveaways this year, including four of those since week seven. So in the second half of the year, they got a little more risk-taking. I think Baker Mayfield is the kind of guy that you want to you wanna bait on defense. If Matt Petrucci has done some creative things that they said, hey, make sure you take away deep passes. If I'm if I'm the Eagles right now, I'm saying, Matt Patricia, I want you to create a game plan that can get us a couple of turnovers because Baker's the kind of guy who will force fast in the coverage. All right. One thought every game will get Casey's pick on the Eagles and Bucks. Live look right now. 14 nothing Bills. Are the Steelers out of this one? <laughs> Steelers are probably out of this one. They're almost 20 point dogs. An interesting thing about the Steelers, I just posted this in that live bug we were talking about. The Steelers are, they, let me see here. It's the Steelers. We're 7-0 and this year when they gained 200 or more net passing yards. You think of them as a running team? 
They can, they need to be able to pass the ball in order to be able to win. They're not going to get that so far today. So if they don't get 200 net passing yards, I think they'll lose either way. But that's the thing. They needed to be able to get that kind of that kind of production in the passing amount. They're going to do it. I think the uh, snowballs have been more accurate than uh, Mason Rudolph's <laughs> passes. Might not so get a first far. down. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, one thought every game. Let's quickly get some thoughts on what you saw this weekend. Uh, Houston goes in and or uh, doesn't go into Cleveland, but dominates Cleveland, who had this great defense and almost put up 50. How did this happen? It happens because you got Joe Flacco quarterback for one, and he, he's limited. And he, get, he gets a lot getting all the yards, but they couldn't run the ball. In fact, look at the rushing leaders. She could turn the rushing leaders, 66 yards. Browns can't run the ball, and they got two pass centric, and Houston was able to get They got the back-to-back pick sixes, too. That made a huge difference. Just Joe Flacco's a guy who can he's a very good backup quarterback. I wouldn't mind having as a backup quarterback to do three or four games. My starter gets hurt, but he's not a guy you need to lead you in the playoffs. All right, one thought every game. Obviously, Kansas City, the weather plays a huge. Did the weather factor into that game more than anything else? It did, and the Chiefs are not playing more smash mouth football, and the weather lent itself towards that. But the Dolphins missing six starters on defense and getting hurt during the game, too. It's just the Dolphins were finally, they just didn't have the firepower because they're just losing too many people. So I, I'd love to see the Dolphins. I would like to see the Dolphins at the playoffs at full strength because if they did that, then it might be a different story. All right, one thought every game. Obviously, I, probably the bigger shock of the weekend is Green Bay just going to Dallas where they have been almost unbeatable what happened to Dallas yesterday <laughs> what happened to Dallas is Matt LaFleur is a really 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 good play caller and he I mean Dan Quinn's been doing very well this year but Matt LaFleur does some really creative things in the passing game and the running game he's a guy a lot of play callers can be good at one area he's really good at both he finds a lot of creative ways in both areas and the thing is once they got Dallas down and got them into into a particular type of game plan and started to make it one-dimensional then they could really focus on things on defense and say this is what we're going to take away and uh i, I that's the thing dallas couldn't afford to fall behind uh you you think they do well in the shootout because they had more they had 10 30 point games this year including seven at home but they were not able to keep up in shootout mode because of what uh, as good as the floor is the packers i i honestly think they have i'm not saying they're going to make the super bowl it won't shock me at this point if they do the way the floor is calling plays one thought every game Detroit holds on, got aided by a call maybe that didn't go the Rams' way there. Uh, but now Detroit wins their first game in the playoffs since 90, what, 1, 91, 93? 91, the first since 90, although the second playoff win since 1957. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It's a go-to for, I grew up in Detroit, I grew up outside of Detroit, I grew up in Flint and, uh, and believe me, uh, we got a lot of, I know a lot of people up there and things. It's taken over the state. Everybody's just so thrilled to see Detroit win. But when I look at the game, I go, Lions, I mean, you, you, you got, you, they're getting into too many shootouts. This didn't quite fit in the shootout category, but they're still getting into too many shootouts. And they, yeah, they stopped the run. But I, as I've said many times, shootouts are 50 50 props and you're trying to win three or four in a row. It's a really tough thing to do. So I think they still got a shot, but. Uh, they're going to need, I think they're going to probably come, I think they might make it to the championship game. That's about as far as they're going to get, and they're going to have to fix their defense next year. Right, well, the winner of the Tampa-Philly game is going to Detroit. So, Casey, who's heading to Detroit and why? <laughs> um, if On a percentage basis, I'm picking the Bucks because I think if you play this game ten times, I think they win six because of the way the Eagles have as many issues as they have. 
But the Eagles do have very strong path to victory tonight. It's just going to be a matter of do they accept what they are or are they going to keep trying to be what they want to be? If they accept who they are, you need to be a run-centric team. You need to do certain things on defense to try to get picks and things. Don't try and win a shootout against these guys. Just be who you are. If they go with that mode and they start you know, getting a run-centric mode, they win this game. But I don't think they'll do that. All right, Casey Joyner, he's got to get back to the live blog over at The Athletic. So follow his live blog uh, for the Steelers and the Bills, which is happening right now. And Buffalo is up 14 to nothing in that one. He'll be back for one thought every game on the divisional round on Thursday's show. Thanks, Casey. Hey, appreciate it, guys. All right. Uh, a uh, condensed version of one thought every game because there's a live game that he actually has to work on today but he just said it he thinks if they played this game 10 times the bucks would basically win six out of ten yeah and i think he's being a little bit generous with that i think it's more set i mean not that that's a huge difference but i say seven out of ten right now just based off of what the birds have shown us over the past five games yeah i mean he talked about if they run the ball like there's path to victories for the eagles like okay we always ask what's the path to victory you asked mcgarry way back in the two o'clock hour yeah okay the eagles will win if blank Mm -hmm. fill in the blank i'm having a hard time the eagles will win if they change who they are (laughs) i mean (laughs) right that's essentially my answer is yeah if they just if they change what they've become yeah, it's basically to put it in basketball terms. It's like, well, if Maxi starts coming off the bench, like you're asking them to be something completely different right now. This Eagles team, so it's, I think it's a big ask. And also, like you look at Tampa Bay, MG Rashad Rashad White has been unbelievable. He's top five in running backs uh, in total scrimmage yards. He catches a ton of balls out of the backfield, and that's a nightmare for the Eagles. Like. I know Tampa doesn't wow us on paper, but they have some weapons, and I think that fits the strengths and weaknesses. Well, all right, let me ask this question because we look at the Eagles. They're like A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard, DeAndre Swift, and they have this really good offensive line. Why aren't they better offensively? I might say to you, well, and, and by the way, Jalen Hurts, who many people think is one of the top five quarterbacks in the game mm-hmm. you've got mike evans chris godwin you just mentioned white i mean baker mayfield i don't think we look at it as a top five quarterback in this league but he threw for so why isn't their offense better well that's that's what we've been scratching our heads at for for months now mg it's i don't know if i knew that answer i'd maybe be coaching this team tonight right i it has to be the coaching it has to be the game plan it's just been wrong all year long and the players have known it what did you read off like in the first or second hour about how the players had a meeting about trying to trust the game plan for this game tonight oh that's another whole nother topic of conversation though no but it factors into what we're talking about it does oh my my point is this though is this on the players that they didn't trust the coaches enough i think that's unfair and i think that's us Overanalyzing the situation. Okay, but we are all saying, what happened to this offense? What happened to this team? And if their players are saying, maybe we need to listen to the coaches and what they're calling, is this a indictment on the players not listening to the coaches and them going off script no. was not yeah. the way to go? No, because I don't think that's fair because then, okay, let's say the answer is yes to that. Then what are we saying? If we say yes to your question there, Mike, 
then we're insinuating that the game plan was solid. And I don't think any of us believe that. I think right now the players are desperate. They're trying to figure out how to get on the same page, how to scratch and claw and get a playoff win. And if they want to do that, they have to trust the game plan for better or worse. They're trying to look in the mirror and say, all right, how can we be better? Right? So I think that's a good thing, but I don't think it's on them. I, I, I can't put it on them. I really cannot. The, t- the team is too talented. It's just perplexing, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Wow, Steelers How did you fall from where you were offensively to where you are now with essentially the same personnel grouping? Well, let's uh, connect the dots. Why don't you, you start with answering your own question? Well, I mean, I guess obviously you're trying to lead me into saying Brian Johnson. Yeah, of course. Like Shane Steichen had a, had a concrete game plan week in and week out. It was consistent. They knew they were going to throw the ball a certain way in the first half of every game, run it in the second half of every game. Everyone knew their role. Everyone knew the plan. It's a byproduct of being in the lead. Sure, but it also goes hand-in-hand, I would imagine. By the way, Rod, that Steelers' first down you were talking about ended up being a fumble. So they're really clicking on all cylinders today. Classic. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's a mess out in Buffalo. But, I mean, I I think we're – I think we're overthinking this if we look at it any other way other than the coordinators were a problem, Sirianni failed to manage them this year. Well, this whole thing that in the McManus article that I read this morning is perplexing as well, right? In that the players don't know who's calling the plays sometimes, that Brian Johnson called a pass play and it got overruled by Sirianni into a run play and then the run play didn't work. I mean, did you read that part of the article? Yeah. I mean, that to me is... Yeah, it's perplexing, dude. It's it's a concern. And those are, though, like micromanaging type of like you're calling the play. You got to run it by me first. I don't like your play. I'm going to call the play. Like this is not a recipe for success. That's not issues an 11 win football team should have. That's a five win football team issue, right? Like oh, that's, definitely. How did but that team win 11 games? It's like um, you watch do you watch Suits. Yeah, I love Suits. Okay, I'm in season eight. Yeah, you've been you've been hitting it hard. You have been. Yeah. yeah. So you might need to, to come I, up. For I, I don't know if this is a spoiler for some people, but <laughs> my show's twenty years old. Go by season eight, uh, Mike, who's the, one of the main characters, is no longer there. He, he took a job, and he's not there anymore. Uh-huh. So definitely I'll, spoiled for some people. Uh, well, the show's been over for how many years? Well, Ten, that's the thing, though. Time. It's like everyone's getting back into it now. Yeah. Well, anyway, so part of the problems that Harvey is having is everybody keeps leaving him. Yeah. So is Sirianni now hearing Brian Johnson's name getting connected to head coaching jobs? And is he saying someone else is going to leave me? Right. And now, if that's the case, I got to start having that comes with the gig, though, right? Like, so what does that mean? Let's break it down. What does it What does it mean? That that that's that's a problem that good head coaches have, and you either are able to, but even like put out those fires or you're not. Yeah, but even like. Andy Reid, when he started losing coordinators, he started to struggle. Even this year, you could make maybe a case. I don't know. I don't listen to Kansas City Sports Radio, but I'm sure a topic down there is how much did the enemy leaving hurt that offense? Now, yeah. I think some of the Kansas City problems offensively is, well, they just don't have a whole heck of a lot of talent. But guess what? 
I don't think we looked at their offense last year and said, well, they got all these game breakers. Right. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster was like the best receiver they had last exactly. year. So it wasn't like they had, you know, Tyreek Hill there still, and they won the Super Bowl. Without So yeah. did they lose a element of their offense because their coordinator left? Absolutely. But look at them now. I know I talked about the, yeah. the weather element, but guess what? They figured out a way to get a playoff win against a good Miami Okay, but team. if the Eagles figured out a way to get a win tonight, I don't think we would feel any different about this team. No, because Tampa's not Miami. But, you know, and, and they also don't have the track record that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have right now. Right? They're, they're not Super Bowl champs. They don't have a decade-sustained uh, track record of success, right? Can, can so, I can I go back to what Mike said earlier and ask you guys a question? Because Mike, you mentioned a couple minutes ago about Sirianni's looking at how everyone keeps leaving him. So, are, are we suggesting that Sirianni is not very secure in himself? Then, and if he's not secure in himself, does this go back to the conversation about why he has the job? Because he's basically. He's basically just doing what the guys above him are telling him to do. He's not no, really his own man. I, I, but I, I think it has that Sirianni. I think it's some of that. I think Sirianni got, put it this way. I think he got lucky. I, I think he, right. He got fast tracked to this job and then had more success than I think even he probably envisioned. Like, of course. this is a case of too much too soon. He never thought he was going to be a head coach, right? Well, and then he gets the job, and the team starts winning. And the next thing you know, the guys who were with him for the ride, he brought with him here. Shane Sykin was with him in Indianapolis, and John Gannon was with him in, in Indianapolis. Indianapolis yeah. They both were with him in Indianapolis. He brings it with him, and then they leave. And he has had these guys with him, and now it's almost like I got too much too soon, but I had my guys with me. And now you're in charge, and it's like I, I got all these new guys around me that – they're not my guys. They're not my boys. And it's like, you know what? It's you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's 100% part of it. But you say Sirianni brought them along for the ride. <laughs> Sirianni got taken for a ride last year by his boys, by Shane Steichen and by Jonathan but Gannon. That, like, that goes back to, like, the Harvey thing in Suits where he's like, yeah, I but- used to have fun doing this job because I did it with these guys who were right. my guys. And now I'm at this firm. This guy's the managing partner. It's not the same. It's not the same. Right. But he always figures it out because he's he's good at what he does. Right? Sirianni, is he good at what he does or is he not? We don't know the other. But that's a fair question. I think he was like, I like the job that I'm doing because of who I'm doing it with. And now we're having some adversity. And I don't have my guys that I can lean on to help me get through the adversity because some of the adversity I'm having is that the guys that replace them are not as good. But then he's never had this adversity, though, right? Like, think about it. Not only did Steichen and Gannon carry him and they were boys, he was gifted one of the best Eagles rosters in franchise history. I mean, his job last year entailed zero adversity, zero injuries, okay. a legendary but, roster Rye, with guys that carried him. But, Rye, I would say part of the reason why the roster got improved is possibly in part that he overachieved the first year and got them to the playoffs that made the front office say, he got this team to the playoffs. Let's add some talent. And then they go out and get A.J. Brown. I think you're giving him too much credit there, potentially. And I could be wrong, but I think it's Howie Roseman doing his job and doing it excellent. Uh, oh, listen, you're not going to – I'm a Roseman fan. I'm not like – I mean, Howie's not going to not go out and get those guys 
if the if Sirianni doesn't make uh, the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, but my point is he got them to the playoffs with a lesser roster. In year yeah. one, yeah. In year one. Yeah. Right. Listen, but I, I go back to, like, I feel that Sirianni was a product of having strong people around him, and that's not a knock on him. Him as the head coach, sometimes being a good head coach is understanding who's around you mm-hmm. and saying, I can give you more because I trust you. And I think he has problems now that his guys that he trusted, that he brought here with him, are no longer there, and the job's not the same. And you go through that that. Yeah, that transition That transition period. of trying to. But he had to have known going into this season, MG, that it was not going to be the same. And where I'm sitting, it looks like he just copy and pasted how he went about last year, this year. And you can't do that the as a leader. The part with that, though, is, and I, I understand what you're saying, is they got off to a 10-1 and one start. That's the perplexing part about it. If you told me they were... You know, six and five or five and six because of all these new things happening. And then the second half of the year, they kind of found their, they've lost their footing when they should have gained their footing. Yeah, I know. It's true. It's, it's the weirdest year ever, but he should have felt it. And maybe I'm being a little bit too unfair. We all felt it at 10 and one that something was off. All right. We got plenty more thoughts on the tonight's game. Do the Eagles legitimately have a shot to win this game and then recapture the fan base that has completely bailed on them? I think a lot of fans are are confident in this game tonight, man. I put a poll out there. I got an overwhelming yes. All right. Well, I want to see the results of that. Poll. All right. All right. We'll come back on the other side. More Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN live at the Gallery Bar Book and Games on 97.3 ESPN. We have the perfect. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done sitting in traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Nobody's quitting on this team because that's the reason all these guys are in that locker room because they know how to freaking fight. The coaches know how to freaking fight. The players know how to freaking fight. The staff know how to freaking fight. And so we'll just get up and we'll fight again and we'll see you know, see what happens next week when we put everything we got into it. And we've been putting everything we got into it, but we're going to put everything we got up into it this week and we'll see what happens. Nick Sirianni knows how to freaking fight. So corny. If you don't cringe listening to that, I'm sorry. I, I Do you I, think his players cringe listening to that? <laughs> I hope that's not how he speaks to them. But, yeah, know how to freaking fight. Know how to freaking fight. Come on, man. Grow up. Sports Bass Live, the gallery bar booking games. Throwing. It, did you uh, place a wager on this game? The under, man. How do you not take the under here? Probably won't hit, but it looks 14 good so up far. in Buffalo over Pittsburgh. Ten minutes in the second. We're, uh... I don't see how Pittsburgh scores. <laughs> no? I mean, Mason Rudolph is like 5 for 13 in interception already. He just had his best chance right there, threw it to Pickens, and the defensive back was clearly in front of Pickens, picked it off, and they're now over 3 on trying for that touchdown. Yeah. You know, there's someone who agrees with Ryan about Sirianni's uh, verbiage. 
We played this last week on the Sports Bash. Sports Bash. I'll bring it back again here for you, Ryan. Chris Long said this on the Green Light podcast. And I'm not saying I'm putting his head on a stake here because I like Nick. But he would tell you it's not good enough. And after the game, to just come out and be like, you know, this team will fight. That stuff is tired when you're not actually fighting. It works when you're fighting and when you're an actual underdog. But when people don't think of you that way and you just look like an exposed group that the bottom fell out of, that doesn't work. And so for me, actually, I think the best thing that could happen to them is going on the road and playing the Bucks Because I think if this team played at home, they'd piss down their legs because of the pressure. That's... um an interesting take, you know, because Darius Slay said, hey, we're, we're happy to be playing on the road. Um, I don't know. I mean, does anybody feel, and look, again, I think we're all just grasping at straws here, yeah. but does anybody feel that this team does take this personal? Look, we went to the Super Bowl this year. We have a veteran group of guys here. We have some guys who could be, like Fletcher Cox could be playing his last game ever as a Philadelphia Eagle. Brandon Graham, Jason Kelsey, those three guys yeah. definitively have been great for this franchise, and it feels like they could be just clunky, clunkily, is that a word? Going out the door yeah. here because of the way this season is just, like, Go back to two weeks ago when they played at home against Arizona. Who would have thought that possibly that could have been their last home game ever? Absolutely. And I, I, I hope there's fight in them. But that doesn't mean diddly. I mean, I can have fight in me. It doesn't mean I'm going to go toe-to-toe with Mike Tyson in his prime. <laughs> I mean, you can have all the fight you want. But if you don't have execution or a smart game plan, you're going to get your teeth kicked in. Yeah, I, I feel like Sirianni, you know, in, those mom- in that moment there is maybe trying to he's pandering yeah like trying in to kind of like show that uh, that he's remaining positive throughout this whole thing and like we got fighting us we're gonna fight that's what we do but it's almost like the reports you're hearing about Jalen Hurts is I've said to him uh, like when is he gonna step up and say look we're not playing very well, and I'm part of the problem here. He doesn't need to do that. Oh, uh, I see. I, I think that's, Why does he need but to that's do that? some of the reporting that is coming out now. You can agree with it or not, is that they want to hear something different, different messaging from him than this stoic look of like the standards, the standard. Yeah, but that's not, him. That's him, Mike. Like he, he, he conducts himself well, the can't same that be way. Sirianni? Because that's the problem with Sirianni. That's what I'm saying. Sirianni conducts a stand-up Netflix special after wins for an hour. He's ridiculous. And he's ridiculous after losses. Jalen conducts himself even-keeled the same way. That's what a leader does. He leads by example. He puts in the work. And he says the same things after wins and after losses. They're just more annoying after struggles. Nick Sirianni doesn't do that. So that's my issue. And maybe I'm off base, but... How do you look at it? Well, I don't know. I mean, wow. It, it is, um, let's go. Both my legs I needed for this game just hit on Josh Allen getting that big rushing touchdown. Yeah. Right? He hit the over right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because wow. he already had a decent amount of rushing before that. He took that one there to the house. 52, 52 yards. Oh, baby. I didn't realize it was Starting 52. off hot. Yeah. Nice. All right. Um, bang. I don't know, man. I mean, to me, like, Hertz is one of them guys that we always heard. You know, it was never about his arm or his accuracy. It was always, he's an unbelievable leader. Mm -hmm. But now your team's struggling. You've lost five out of the last six, and you've looked terrible in doing so. Um, And now maybe some of these players are looking to you 
Well, I, I, yeah, I think that's fair, but I'll say this. If they somehow find a way to win tonight, it's going to be because of Jalen Hurts. So he has an opportunity in front of him here, doesn't he? To be that leader. Yeah. I mean, I mean he can will this. So. Right, yeah, but that's that's the point. Like, he can will this team to a win. He can lead this team to a win in a playoff game. Almost in spite of Sirianni. Well, see, this is the kind of stuff that's crazy to me, is that you could be on the same page, have a great chemistry, and have everything going well for you. How you can't get together and have an adult conversation and be like, all right, man, we're having some problems here. What what can yeah. we do together to kind of fix this? Instead of, like, finger-pointing, losing trust, like, all that stuff. Like, I don't get yeah. that. I, I don't either. I don't either, and that's fair. And maybe those conversations were had, but it doesn't feel like it, to your point. It doesn't feel like there was any, any attempt at solutions. Yeah, and well, this is where like the, the 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 report this morning from McManus basically said you know Hertz was you know hoping that there were some changes to the offense that just never really seemed to come. Yeah, and if that's the case, to your point, well, then why didn't he why didn't he go about trying to be proactive in getting those changes to happen? Who, Jalen? Okay, so I agree with you there. Well, and especially when you have a relationship, you know, apparently, you know, uh, Brian Johnson played for Hertz's father, was his high school football coach. He's known Jalen since he was four years old. Is that a positive or a negative in trying to get change to happen? Do you feel I can't cross those lines because of our relationship? And I'm sure if you're Jalen, let me know if this is fair or foul. It's the first year with him. So you also assume growing pains are going to be an obvious. So you don't want to cross that line too early in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, right, yeah. Like, hey, I don't want to tell this guy his first crack of this that I don't like the job he's doing. Right, because it could be me, too. I just don't understand, though, how you can't say, hey, Brian, like, some of the stuff that you're doing, I'm not really comfortable. Like, I, I, like I'm not saying it's bad. It's just not fitting me is there any way we can maybe try to implement this or try to implement that a little bit more and i feel like that conversation should be pretty easy you would think and it's not only jalen i mean aj brown has been frustrated smith has been frustrated right so it's like the entire should aj brown be frustrated though yeah i think a stretch of games where he had 125 yards or more for six straight games he had 1400 yards it's not like he you know what i mean like yeah, but since that stretch, it's clear that it's just been clunky, right? That's why this season has been so weird because the the numbers and the wins are so deceiving at times. Yeah, well, I, and is that a byproduct of teams taking – like the, the article kind of mentioned that, you know, a lot of this stuff was vertical, shots down the field, like as opposed to what he wanted, more stuff in the middle of the field, stuff that, you know, like yeah. just the – the, the, the complexity of the offense just completely not being what the quarterback is looking for. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling to read that. And what did we hear going into the season? Like, this is Jalen's guy. He knows all of his strengths. He knows all of his weaknesses. And it's just the furthest thing from the truth. If the, if the Eagles won tonight, who had a better night, the offense or the defense? Offense has to be the offense 
No A.J. Brown. Yeah. You're still going offense? Absolutely. The offense, I feel like, could put up 14, 13 points, and they might still have a better night than the defense. That's how low I am on the, on this personnel on the defensive side right now. Yeah. Especially you lose A.J. Brown, or pardon me, not A.J. Brown, Sidney Brown. You're flirting with Avante Maddox at safety. Like, just, I don't know. Too many young guys you have to rely on in a playoff game, I feel like. But the front seven on the defense, like, come They on. could fix a lot of things with this defense. You got the dudes. You have Hassan Reddick. You have Baby Rhino. You have Fletcher. You have BG. Like, you still have guys that can make an impact. The fact that their defense has gotten to the point where they're just embarrassing is perplexing. <laughs> I don't expect them to be a Super Bowl-winning defense. But, as you just said, you've got plenty of guys on this team who were on the team that was on the field in the Super Bowl. Now, you would say they got blitzed in the Super Bowl last year. But that's part of the thing is you do have veteran talent on this team that Darius Slay, Bradbury, Graham, Fletcher Cox, Reddick, Sweat. Like, you've got those guys there who are all buyered, all players who have had a ton of success that when things are going this bad that they can you would think they can come together and try to come up with a way to help this thing out. Yeah, especially against bad teams. Like, those, that's a lot of talent we just rattled off. Like, they, they should have been able to figure out a way to get a win against some of those teams. I think the most disappointing on the defensive line, and I'm sure you guys might agree to an extent, is Jordan Davis. The guy's not even starting out there. He's rotating in and out. When you're rotating in and out on that line, I better see the best damn ball you have, Jordan Davis, because you're not playing every single snap you're not just putting all this effort out and taxing yourself to the point where you can't go into the game for a whole drive like you better be showing me your best ball pressuring the qb and stuffing that middle yeah the especially tonight the drop off in the pass rush is i mean there's no it's baffling well and as we've kind of talked about a lot like Clay Harbor was on with us Friday. He said that watching the tape, Josh Sweat's not the same player. He just doesn't have the same explosion off the ball, whether he's got an injury issue that he's not or, or whatever. And then keep that, you know, like you look at what Derek Barnett's doing in Houston. I mean, he was a terror on Saturday. Yeah, that he was, was all over the place. Where is that coming from? And you would say, where is it coming from? He wasn't even getting an opportunity really to get on the field here. Mm -hmm. And even when he was, look, when he was on the field here, he did not produce. So that's, yes, in years you know, sometimes you just need a, 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 but the problem, the Eagles, I think part of this is they don't have any depth. So some of these guys are being asked to essentially play almost full time and what made them the players that they were is that they didn't have to play every yeah, single snap the depth yeah they were fresh they were rotated in and out like they knew their role josh Sweat, okay he's struggling well, who can they go to they had a ton of options they had barnett you had uh, reddick on the other side you had the interior presence with hargrave you're right? supposed I mean, to have nolan smith off the edge but apparently he's too small but he's not big enough to go into coverage so what do you do with him yeah, yeah he, he's a guy who's been very disappointing in that, you're right, when he's on the field, you can see him because he's so small. <laughs> he's, he's not ready. He's very small, um, but like Sweat, he, he doesn't have the same get-off, but it's not like, okay, get him off the field and let's see if there's nobody else. They're, they don't really have that other, and we talked about this at the beginning of the year. You go back to training camp, I do remember talking about the, um, you know, the, who are the, where's the depth at pass rusher? 
I mean, you thought you had some interior depth with mm-hmm. Fletcher and, uh, well, Brandon Graham's not the same player either. That's another thing. Yeah. Brandon Graham had a great year last year. He is not in the pass rushing sense the same guy. No. He's lost a step. For sure. But he's still, you think he still provides depth. I think we expected what we're getting from Brandon Graham this season from him last season. Like yeah. Nobody expected him to do what he did last season. He, he exceeded expectations by a long shot. Well, and this is kind of what we discussed when they lost John Gannon. And we said, look, forget John Gannon as the coordinator, whether you liked him or not. The next guy coming in here is going to be up against it because every single guy last year played probably had the best year they ever had. Yeah. And to expect them to duplicate or better that year was it's impossible. You know what's crazy? Hassan Reddick could have duplicated or bettered his year this year in comparison to last year, but he hasn't had a sack in over a month. So if he kept on his pace, he's got 11 and a half, I think, right now. He could have blown that out of the water. But something is happening with this defensive line. Like, I talked about it earlier. The last thing I'll say. Do you know the specific game Josh Sweat had his last sack in? Yeah, it was against the... Cowboys. When they came to Philadelphia, not even in Dallas. It's been that long. What? All right, when we come back, our picks, game balls, and more. We'll wrap it all up here at the Gallery Bar Booking Games at Ocean Casino Resort. Eagles, Bucks, tonight, we're counting you down. It's the super wild. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Eagles travel to Tampa to face the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football. He's at the five. He's in. is South Jersey's official home for Eagles playoff football. 97.3 ESPN. He does it again. Hurts. Let's get game balls and picks for tonight. Sports Pass live at the gallery. Bar booking games. By the way, full bar for this game. 4.30 on a Monday. Playoff football. Beautiful thing. 21-0 Buffalo, by the way. All right, who you got? Score prediction? Score game balls. Here we go. All right. Ah, man. I'm, I'm saying the Eagles lose, dude. I'm saying the Eagles lose. I'm going 27. I'm going 27-21, Tampa. 27-21, Tampa. Danny Rye? I said yesterday on the locker room with Billy Schwein that I was taking the Buccaneers because I haven't been going with my gut every single week. I've been going with the optimistic take as an Eagles fan. I'm not doing that this week. I'm going with my gut. I'm going to say the Bucks win 24-17. to I don't think the Eagles can just magically snap their fingers and fix this within a week. And my game ball, I think it's going to go to Rashad White. I think the rushing attack or the rushing defense attack for the Eagles has just been atrocious. When James Conner's feasting on you, you know there's a problem. So Rashad White to the Bucks. Yeah, I don't see stops at all. Um, I just don't see stops. 27 27- 20, maybe. 27 20, Tampa Bay. I think we're being generous, too. Right. We are. Yeah. We're being generous with Tampa's points, but that's just how I bad mean, this listen, defense is right I now. I have no problem being wrong tomorrow, yeah. but I got Tampa. Right. 27 20. And for them, I mean, to me, game balls is 
Mike Evans just destroys you. Evans. Mine's White. I forgot to give mine. I agree with Danny. I think White's going to have like over 120 combined yards. I think the Eagles' only hope is the pass rush tonight. If they can get to the quarterback and let alone sacks, just pressure him, make him uncomfortable with that beat-up rib and the beat-up ankle, you have a legitimate chance. Yes. But I think that's Harbor talked about it Friday. The only way he see he, he liked Tampa too, and he said the only way I see Philadelphia is if a guy like Reddick just has a game that we haven't seen from him and just wrecks the game. Yeah, T- forces turnovers, interceptions, scoop and score, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, guys, I don't see it. It's wishful thinking. I don't see it, man. Yeah. Uh, although I will say this: this super wild card weekend has been wild czar. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm here tomorrow talking about an Eagle win, I would not be shocked. But I think all three of us went with Tampa. Josh has game night coming up next. He'll give you his picks and more. Thanks again to everybody here at the Gallery Bar Book and Games. We'll be back here next week. So big crowd on hand here tonight. There's a couple. There's a Randall jersey. Got a Devonta Smith jersey. We got over here. What's that? Jalen Hurts jersey. Jaylen? All right. Eagles being represented. Have a great night, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.